And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean McCarthy. Well, welcome everyone to the newest edition, 113 of the Weighing In Podcast. We have quite a few new subscribers, so we want to welcome all of you and thank all of our subscribers that have been with us all the way from the beginning. We always try to put on shows that you enjoy and that maybe you'll learn something from. And sometimes we put out really bad information like me last night with, I thought it was going to be a close fight between Calvin Cater and Max Holloway. And Lord, was I wrong. So let's just put that out to the front there. Joshua, how you doing, brother? I would like to point out that was not the only fight you were wrong about. Ponsonibio. Oh, no, I got another one in there. <laughs> Man, I would, and I would, I would bet if you, if they fought 10 times, nine times, Ponsonibio would beat him. But he just, you talk about ring rust and you talk about timing and just, it wasn't there. You could see it. John, 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 don't make excuses now, buddy. It's too late. It's too <laughs> late, buddy. It's too late. <laughs> uh, yes, I do want to thank all of our new subscribers for joining us, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy this show as much as you enjoyed the last. But, uh, yeah, John and I, uh, we'd love to have some fun, and we will banter back and forth with each other. And I, myself, will mostly pick on Podcast Dave because John is a lot bigger than me. So <laughs> that is why. Dave is bigger than me, too, but Dave cannot fight. He's from Scotland. So, oh, <laughs> this is great. even though I choked you out like three times, but okay, 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 sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but uh, the Ponsonibio fight, I think that was the one where I really started in the same thing with Joaquin Buckley. I just started realizing, I'm like, this is the fight game, anything can happen. I mean, yeah. and I know we say it all the time, but it very rarely happens on the main card. You know, you'll get a couple shockers here and there, but when you get guys at that type of level that are performing very well, and then all of a sudden something like that happens. Now, I know Pausanibio has been out for a while, but I expected yeah. him to have, I expected him to have a little bit uh, more output. He seemed like he was a little trigger shy in the beginning. He was, he wasn't pulling the trigger, totally. wasn't wouldn't closing throw. the distance, wouldn't throw. If he did throw, it was like one, and he was kind of re already retreating as he threw. He like threw and kind of looked away a little bit every once in a while. And that's eventually what caught cost him the fight. He threw the punch and then um, Lee just came in with a, with a nice combination. Slipped one, came right over with the left hook, right on the button. Like snapped Ponsonibio's chin, whoosh, head every which way. I loved it. I thought it was a, a good fight, good performance. It's what he needed. Lee needed that win big time oh, in yeah. terms of just a good performance over a top level guy. Good fights. I well, thought, you figure I, I thought the whole main fight. card was good, John. The whole main card it, was good. It was. The whole main card. The the prelims, for the most part, you know, anytime you have all of your prelims go to a decision, you're like, eh, God dang it. There were a couple of decent fights in there. I love the heavyweight battle because they were slinging. Yes, and it was fun. You know, not a ton of, you know, MMA, more of a stand-up kickboxing, boxing, you know, approach. But it was fun. And... I enjoyed that one. But other than that, it was yeah, so, so. But man, once the main card started, it was on fire. And you know, the, the Ponzinibbio fight, I look at Lee and you know, Lee's last fight was against Neil Magny. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Neil Magny just tore him apart in that fight. Even though Neil was the, he was the underdog. I, I was surprised going into that one. 
and you know Ponzinibbio had fought Neil Magny, and I have nothing but respect for the fighter that Neil Magny is. And Ponzinibbio knocked Neil Magny out. Yeah. And so I looked, just looked at you know who those guys had fought and the level of fighters, and you go, yeah, he's coming off of a two-year, you know, absence. He had gotten hurt. There's things that happened, but I just looked at the skill level. <clears throat> but when you don't throw, you can't win. You know, and he just wasn't throwing. And it, you could tell that he was having problems just with the distance and the ability to feel comfortable with that range. And Lee, you know, Lee was throwing, and that's what he always does. He's a tough guy. Man, he did land that left. It was beautifully done. And yeah, it if, big. if you guys took John's advice on who to bet on and you guys bet on this fight, make sure you guys leave your Venmo information so John can Venmo you back some money he owes you guys. <laughs> Because okay, it really it's called advice. It's not. It's not. It's not called. You must. Uh, it was. It was. I want everyone to realize it was horrible advice. <laughs> horrible. But it was. Good. It was. Um, Soriano needed that. You and I were talking about it. It was a big <sighs> fight for him. He's out of uh, Extreme Couture's. You know more about him than I would do. But I thought he needed a good performance. And as I'm watching he the did fight, a great he performance. Had a great Josh, performance. Because when you look at a guy, you know. <sighs> Man, he's coming into that. He is set up to make the kid look good and, you know, everything that's going against him. And he went in there. He closed the distance on him. He pressured him. He was throwing big combinations, hard shots. And when he got him hurt, he was smart. Yeah, a couple times, you know, ends up on the ground with him. And you can hear Eric Nipsick saying, let him up. Let him up. Yeah. Because, you know, hey, you've got him hurt. Yeah. Don't leave him on the ground. He smart enough gets away from him, does it again, hurts him three times big in that fight, and you know, finishes him off with it. That was a that was a big fight for Soriano, and congratulations to him. He deserved it with the performance that he put on. Yeah, it was a good fight in terms of <clears throat> his combinations came out clean. He was uh, putting good pressure on. He was throwing at the right times, able to to slip and counter a couple good combinations. You could just tell the difference in power. You know, and then I, I don't know how you say this guy's last name, Todorovic or whatever, but Dusko. Dus I'll just say Dusko. Let's make it fair. Yes, Dusko. I don't want to butcher his name. <laughs> so, but Dusko, like really Dusko, like you could tell there was hype behind him. There was a lot of conversations about him. They were hyping him up coming into the fight. Then and when they got it, when he got into the cage, he's this, he's that, he's this. It seemed like they were overlooking Soriano a little bit. Like this kid can do this. This kid can do that. And it seemed very one-sided commentary, not on their fault. I mean, well, it just seemed like there's a lot of talk and a lot of, you know, that they're pushing him a little bit more. Yeah. Which is fine. But I thought I thought Soriano, Soriano came out with th big, heavy shots. And as he was touching me, you could tell that he was having success. So why not just stay with it? Good performance, though. Very good performance. Boy, Soriano. big, 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 big. You know, and so it was, uh, you looked at, you look at those and all three, you know, of those first ones, you know, the Soriano fight, the Buckley knockout, man. Jeez. You know, Buckley was pressuring very hard. I mean, he was coming forward hard, you know, and, you know, I'll screw up DeSharico's name all the time, but he was just calm and relaxed and taking his, you know, his shots when he could. And mm -hmm. he was kind of looking like, okay, you're pressuring me real hard. I'll let you bring that pressure and see if it'll kind of wear you down a little bit. You know, but Buckley was throwing really hard, but when you know, DeSharico landed that kick, it was just right 
to the freaking side back of that dome as he's turning his head, man. And that's going to discombobulate you. It's just a terrible place to get hit. He, he, he just put him out. With I him. look at Buckley, though, how I look at Masvidal, Nate Diaz, those guys. He's a tweener. He's yeah. not he's not a 185 pounder, but I think yeah. 170 is probably too hard for him to make. I he's, agree with you, especially when he's got that 15 pound yep. difference. It's not like it's the 10 pound. There's a big, big drop down if you're going to make that 170. And I think it's it's a hard, hard make for him. And I, I don't think he's the I don't think he's the same fighter when he's at 170. He's yeah. got he's got a great because he's he, cutting he's, too much. Yeah, he cuts too much weight. He's got he, he's had great performances at 185. But when you get into the upper guys, when you get up into the top level guys or good strike, they're so much taller than him. I mean, Chirico last night was probably what a good four inches taller than him or three inches taller than him. <clears throat> I mean, Buckley's not a tall guy, but he's he packs a heavy, heavy punch. He's yep. super athletic. He's fast. He's aggressive. I love the way he fights. But yeah. you're I mean, you're just gonna run into this problem where he's not. Um, he's he's a small 185 pounder, so he's gonna have to get probably like if he wants to get into the top guys four and five, he's gonna probably have to go to 170. I just don't know if he's the same guy at 170. I don't think he is. So. This goes. This kind of leads me into a little bit of my conversation. Is do I know we've talked about there is a 165 pound weight class. Do they even consider this? I mean, like you've got guys at 165. I mean, Khabib would be good at 165. You know, GSP would be good at 165 if they were to fight that type of Mazdal, Nate Diaz. Boy, look at um, you trying to set things. Up. I mean, yeah, there's there's guy I know, but there's guys that are there. Con I think Connor would be good at 165. It's not having to make that cut. I think I think he's I I like him at 155. But I think he'd be good at 165 as well. And <clears throat> there's a lot of there's a lot of those guys in that mix, especially when it starts jumping 15 pounds. I've, I felt like there's always been a case to have uh, weight classes every 10 pounds all the way up to 185 and then jump 15 because then your talent level gets so low. It just starts crushing your talent level. So 15 pound jump from 185 to 205 and then 205 to heavyweight. There's just not enough. There's just not enough good fighters above 185 really to have to stack the division. So. Just, I guess he's that tweener. Joaquin Buckley's that tweener. He's in that middle there. 170, he doesn't have good performances because he cuts too much weight. At 185, when he's, he, I don't think he'll ever really get to that top group of top five guys because he's not a very big guy. I mean, I think, how tall is he, Dave? He's, uh, Buckley's 5'8", and Shiriko's 6 foot. No, he's, a, he's taller than 5'8". Got to be taller than 5'8". I'm telling you. Been around so. He's built at 5'8". So. I would say 5'10". He's not real tall, but he's taller than 5'8". Five, you say five ten, but I mean, I'll look, I'll look on USC as well. But um, yeah, take a look because I he's taller than five eight. No, I mean like most people brag about being taller. Than they really <laughs> I know, know. not, not shorter. Just, uh, <laughs> not, not, not some of the, some of these websites come up with some uh, some stats that I go that's not. Well, like with me, right? I always throw in the three quarters. So I go, I'm five ten. I'm five ten ah. and three quarters. I always throw it in there. Make myself. You always know better. a guy knows he's short when he puts in a half or oh, three quarters. Oh, I always do. Yeah, five ten and a half, five ten and three quarters. <laughs> yeah, yep. Set up my whole life. I mean, I probably have shrunk now. You know, a couple knee surgeries, a couple this and that. So he's five eight. I've on definitely Wikipedia. done that. I know the feeling. He's five eight on Wikipedia also. Um, he's let me see. I'm on ESPN right now. Just waiting for code. He's five ten on ESPN. Five ten on Topology. ESPN is 5'10", so... Oh, ESPN is 5'10". Maybe he is 5'10". I feel bad for he him. He is. Right, poor... These other websites, man, they're already killing his mojo. He's only 5'8". <laughs> Jesus, 5'8"? <five laughs> <eight? laughs> 
Oh man. But it's true. It's true. What you're saying about size wise, there are those guys that are tweeners. If there's one weight class that I think would work the fastest in spreading things out, look, you've got a ton of guys at 155. 155 has got to be the best weight class there is in say the, the UFC. Say that again. Especially. Say that again. Especially when Josh no, no. Thompson left, 155 wow. became the best weight class. <laughs> wow. <It> was, you <laughs> know, talent level went way up when he left. So you cut me deep, Shrek. You cut me real deep. <laughs> but you know the truth. It is. It's just loaded with talent, and 170 is pretty loaded with talent too. Yeah. When you start to get into the 185s, the the numbers start to to you know decrease on you and stuff. So. If you're looking at that perfect weight class that you could put, because, you know, the guys that are at 170 that are just making the 170, they can, if you take away the 170, go to 175, you've got that 10-pound jump all the way from the small, if you want to go atom weight, but just let's say flyweight for guys, flyweight all the way up. It's a 10-pound jump all the way up, and it would be up into 185. That would be great, mm-hmm. you know, and it's... I know the UFC looks at it like they don't want to change the 170. They've got their champion there. If Usman would is the same at 170 or 175, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I I look at it and I think you could open things up. And there are guys. Masvidal would be great mm-hmm. at 165. Yep. You know he'd be fantastic there. So there's all kinds of opportunities for you to do things. It's the question, will they ever make that jump? I don't know. I always look at it like, you know, the the promotion that does finally say, all right, we're going we're gonna to split that. We're going to take the 170 and take it away. I'm going to make, you know, Masvidal, uh, you know, excuse me, I'm going to make Usman the, the champion at 175. If I'm Bellator, I'm going to make, you know, Lima the champion at 175, and I'm going to open up this 165, you know, division. I think it's a good thing for either promotion. I, I don't see the drawback, and I don't, especially with UFC, I don't see it hurting them as far as matchmaking ability, opportunities. It's not going to cut them in a way that it, it could other promotions. They have they have enough fighters, and I think they would be able to handle it really well. You said exactly what I was just thinking in terms of you would it would have to. I think it would have to go to the UFC first. The only reason why I say that is they've got the amount of fighters to split yep. it right now. With Bellator, they've only got 300 fighters on the roster. How many of them are lightweights and how many of them are welterweights? I right. think for that, they were to go 65, 75, and you were to split those divisions, you would just dwindle. You would dwindle down the the talent level so much <clears throat> that you wouldn't be able to. I mean, unless you were to sign a bunch of good fighters at 155 and 170, but is are they there? Don't force it if if they're not there. You know, and I know they're out there. <clears throat> We've talked about this all the time. There's a lot of great, great fighters who are not in the UFC, who are not in Bellator, who are not in one, who aren't in P- uh, PFL and all these other organizations. They're fighting in some farmland out there in Connecticut or something like that, you know, like in the middle of Kentucky, but they're good. They're really good. Or they're fighting, you know, somewhere in another country that we just, yep. there's a ton of them, you know, it just, we just haven't seen them yet or found them yet, or, you know, they haven't got the name recognition that they need yet. <clears throat> that being said, I think it would have to be done in the UFC first, only because they do have so many people. They do have so many fighters already signed, and it wouldn't it wouldn't water down their division so much. And they they have, <clears throat> I like you said, is I do think Usman would still be champion at one at one uh, seventy five. Seventy five. But I would love to see like a fight between Usman and <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, 
Usman and Gaslam. You know, like Gaslam's that tweener. He's that guy that's not 185, and he's not really, he can't make 170. Yeah, that 175 benchmark would be a great fight. He's so damn good, and he's fun to watch. You know, yep. you get Gaslam in there. You've got <clears throat> other guys. Does Colby go down to 65? Or does or does Colby stay at one seventy? Because he's even though he is kind of he, he is kind of big, but I think he can make the extra five pound weight cut, you know, and he mixes it up in there as well. So you're adding guys in there. You have Mazadal, you've got Nate Diaz. I think you even got Nick Diaz. If he came back, he'd go to sixty five instead of fighting at seventy. Oh, you think so? Yeah, I, don't think I think so. he could. I think Nick would say one seventy five is perfect for me. Well, he would have to also he would also have to get back on his regimen of running triathlons and stuff to get his weight back down. But I mean, it really depends on how far out of shape he is. They seem like they stay in pretty good shape throughout. Yeah, uh, Nick and Nate both. <clears throat> um, but there's a ton of other guys in there that are just escaping my mind right now. But there's guys that are in there that are could could definitely load up those divisions in the UFC. When you get into the when you get into Bellator, we just don't have the talent roster of that many fighters. At the top, especially at 155 right now, we've got like three or four really good guys at 155. We don't have a lot of guys at 155. That's the problem, which is strange because that is such a stacked division in a lot of other promotions. Um, but with ours, it's not. We've got great 145 pounders. We've got a great one 135 pound weight class. Those, both those divisions are freaking stacked at Bellator. But when you get to, and then when you get to 55 and 70, we've got a, a couple of good guys. I'd say four or five really good guys at 170. The problem is, though, is that Lima's already beat all of them, you know, and so it's like you have your champion at the top who's been there for a while and he's beat them all. So, I mean, like it would be hard, I think, for us to go ahead and implement that right now. But I think the future holds this. We've seen that they've signed a lot of really good guys um, in the last what in the last, say, six months, you know, and they're going to continue to sign even more uh, more guys. So it's it's going to be good to see. Um, but he is, I feel like he is, Buckley is that tweener and Buckley needs to hopefully find a spot. It would be nice to see 65, 75, 85, and then stop there and go up to 205. If they, if a promotion did it, I think it would be, have to be the UFC to do it though. Yeah. <clears throat> Just as a promotion, you cannot schedule or you can't, you can't start a new weight class because of one or two fighters. And that's the problem. That's no, the biggest stuck. thing. Yeah. You're stuck because now you're, you're, now they have control over you. The fighters have control over what you do because they know like, well, you have nobody else in this division that's really that good or they're good, but I could beat all of them. You know, if you put a Connor there, if you put a Khabib there, they have full control now of that weight class, knowing that they can smash all of them, you know? And so it just becomes like now the promotion is is being held captive by that fighter and the promotion never likes to be. They no. never like that to happen. And you saw that no, from no. years ago with Tito Ortiz. When Tito tried to run off and start his own promotion, and you know they they he tried to control the whole organization, they hated it. They're like, no, this is that BJ Penn did it also too with Matt Hughes. Say, BJ Penn did it. He did it. Yeah, he left. <laughs> he left. And started. Tito talked about it, made <clears throat> threats. BJ did it with his brothers. <laughs> yep, they started their own promotion. It was a very successful promotion, which they yep. sold to uh, Showtime and Elite XE, which was great. Um, look to me, I was very. Um, I was having a very nostalgic moment last night when I was watching Matt Brown and Carlos Condit. I thought it was an absolutely amazing fight. Great stuff. It was a good fight. And I want everyone to understand that if you guys listen to the commentary, the commentary was spot on last night in oh that fight. God. I want to point out the fact that Daniel Cormier admitted last night that I had taken him down 
several times with this easy <laughs> takedown. I was waiting for that I one. I was waiting for uh, I want people to understand. You love that scissor leg takedown, yes, baby. <laughs> I want everyone to get it. I don't want I actually have it. And if you guys need me to send it to you through DM, <laughs> I will send it to you. I have the short clip of it. You can go right to that. Daniel Cormier, two-time Olympian, admitted that I had taken him down several times with this takedown. I want everyone to understand that. Go to that. And what is it? Two forty-four or something like that in the in the second round. <laughs> I'm gonna milk the shit out of this. It's so good. Oh gosh! And I, Daniel so Cormier did not say that I. He had also consumed about half a gallon of whiskey. Yeah. And so he was stumbling drunk. No. Oh, it was great. It was great. I, I was like, did, did he really just say that on national television? Oh, he did. Your name came up and I went, oh, yes. shit. Am I going to hear about yes. that one right there? Yes. He did say that you used to do it to him, which is very indicative of like where you are today and what you're capable of today, which is not oh, very much. Oh, Podcast I mean, Dave coming in with the dagger. He, it, the greatest part is, though, is that Podcast Dave doesn't really have an exit out that way. He's got to actually walk past me to get out of this place. No, actually, John. And I think you'll find that if you look behind me, there's a big door with a big green exit sign above it. <laughs> yeah, there there is, but there's a curtain there. And I know like your intelligence level wouldn't be able to get there fast enough and operate how to get out of there. You're one of those guys that panics under pressure. I've seen mm. which it took us 20 minutes to get the show going today because you were behind schedule. <laughs> He's getting flustered. Oh my God. John, let me send John to Zoom. Oh no, let me get this. Let me get that. That's that is far from true. I was actually very composed and it relaxed. Was, it was good. It was good. Um, the yes, guys, please go to the second round. Listen to DC talk about how great oh my God. wrestling was. No, what I did but it was, was I, a good. It was a good fight, it was a great and it was, fight. I I got to give it to Matt Brown. Very smart game plan as far as trying to wrestle with Carlos, not taking some of the shots that Carlos is really good with. Being in types where he throws good elbows and stuff, he landed some good stuff. He actually fought a good fight. I know he was really disappointed in the scores. You could yeah. see it. Yeah, he lost the fight. Yeah. But, you know, the all all of the rounds were fairly close. Mm -hmm. You know, there was one that you look, you say, okay, that was that was easily condits. But you know, the first round was very close. You know, and so it's it, it was a really good performance by matt brown i thought carlos condit actually looked good again he looked strong he looked uh you know he was active everywhere yeah he didn't he didn't sit he didn't wait if if matt took him down he was hitting matt matt was trying to hit him at times but he was trying to even out that exchange rate and, and actually be more active than brown when they were on the ground so really a good performance by two veteran fighters and it was good to see it i, I had a friend who said i'm so excited for that fight and i was like uh, I don't know. I, I really look, I think, you know, I think Condit's going to win and I think he's going to win pretty easily. And he did it. I was wrong. I thought Matt Brown fought a really good fight. Yeah. I, I, I think when I read Matt Brown's response last night on Twitter, he was upset at the fact that it was 30, 27. The problem is though, is that when the rounds are that close, yeah. that it goes that way. I mean, it could be a close fight, but it could still be 30, 27. It's because yeah. the rounds are so close. The judge will give it to, you know, to God, he's going to give it to one or the other. And yeah. it could be over just one little thing. But I mean, I gave the first round to Matt Brown. I mean, I, I had him on top for majority of the round. I mean, he did a lot of good stuff in the majority of the round. The cut itself, I think, was caused in the first round where he hit his face against the fence, and he had a cut, I think, on the on his face there. Yeah, that was from the fence. It wasn't from anything that that Carlos Condit did. I think that probably swayed the judges in giving it, it to. Probably did. You know, there's that, and then at the very end of the first round, uh, Carlos hits the switch and gets on top. 
So that looks even it makes that it, was the big big part of it. That's I think. All, and you hear you hear it all the time about how fighters can still around, but there wasn't much time left. So I felt like that wasn't enough to give him the round. But then since I've started, we started doing this show. You, we've talked more about criteria, um, you know, scoring criteria. But just to go to prove that I feel like some judges still look at like the last thing in their mind is he got reversed with a, with a switch and then the blood. So those are things that have way on way on a judge's mind. And you're saying it shouldn't affect their decision, but in that case, I felt like it did in the first round. Second and third round, I gave to Carlos. I thought Carlos, yeah. and they were close rounds. Uh, Carlos, yeah. I felt won the second round dominantly. Not, not easy. He won the second round easily, yeah, not dominantly, yeah. but he won it easy. Yeah. But in yeah. the third, the third was a close round, but I still gave it to Carlos as well. Yes, exactly. So, but overall, it was a great fight. I thought both of them yeah. had a good performance. I mean, in terms of when you see older fighters fight, you expect to see a little bit of a lackluster kind of fight. Two guys really kind of, you know, everything seems slow. and You can see a lack of output. Yeah, you can't. But this didn't have that. This was a very no. good fight. They both no. came after each other. Like you said, like the, we, we've, they said is that they were supposed to fight several times before, never came to fruition. I think one time uh, one of them got hurt like what, a week or two before the fight? Matt Brown did. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> overall, like this lived up to the expectations. I'm glad that they were the co-main event. They deserve to be the co-main event. Yeah, that was put, good. They put on a Especially on ABC. Yes, and they put on a performance that deserved to be the co-main event. And I'm glad. I'm glad that lived up to it because there's been times where you you have had people, and I'll give an example, and as much as I'm a, I'm a fan of him, it's Shogun. You know, they put Shogun in those top positions in his last, like, two or three fights. It just hasn't lived up to it, man. And, and by the way, to Shogun, um, congratulations on your retirement. You had a great career. I, mean, I know I'm just sitting here saying these things but like he's it's uh but no he uh yeah, i've been a, obviously everyone's been a fan of his since pride days back in the day but loved loved watching your fights loved every single time you fought um just as you got as as they get older the performance isn't not the performance but the output's not there and do you so, remember do you remember the shogun fight and this is the one that i was like oh my god when he fought quentin rampage jackson in pride and that's when quentin was mm -hmm. just unbelievable he destroyed quentin mm -hmm. you know hit he hit quentin to the body with a knee and it broke his ribs and just i mean it was just an onslaught that i felt horrible for quentin watching it i'm like because he, he's actually looking at his corners and he's telling him you know my, my my ribs right and they didn't care they weren't throwing nothing but shogun just demolished him and i was like oh my god he is just on a different level yeah 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 he, he's a stud and he, he's he put on some great fights throughout his career and everyone uh that was able to watch those fights all the way from his his first fight in the ufc was at ufc 76 against forrest griffin and forrest griffin ended up beating him mm -hmm. you know and it, but it was the performance he put on. He he was in that fight and man going for things and just he always brought it and you gotta love it. Sorry guys. Oh, you you dying on me? Just dying over here today. COVID, oh. dude. Look at you. <laughs> COVID. Oh man. No, but um, yeah. I I just recall his fights in Pride where he was I think one of the first guys that started like stomping through the guard. So he would grab the ankles and he'd spread the, the 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 ankles and he would stomp through, try to get. It was just I was, 
I was like, this is crazy. I, I he was, not only would stomp through, he would grab and hold and split and jump up yes. and come down with shots. You go, that's nuts. Yeah, he was. And I was like, oh, man, he's going to get leg locked. No, no, no. He was stomping on your head. There's no way you're hitting a leg lock on that. Yeah, I mean, he's he was phenomenal and just so much. And remember his brother, Ninja. Yeah, he was so his brother Ninja was really good as well. Just a very small guy where Shogun was a lot bigger than him. And the two of them, when they would fight, man, they were so action packed. Yep. Both of those guys, you'd watch those guys fight in pride. You guys get a chance, go through the old uh, archives and watch those. You know, watch those Murillo. Yes. Good fights. He was good. <clears throat> All right. Let's get to the main event. I'm oh, my of. God. Yeah. I, you know, look, I'm, I'm the first one to say, first off, I said it was going to be a close fight. I, re I really looked at both guys and they both were very similar to each other. I thought before the fight in the fact that Max normally starts fairly slow, kind of just, you know, feels his way through the first round, starts to build into the second, really starts to turn it on in the third. And if he's got a fourth and fifth, he's putting a, a ton of output on the cater does basically the same thing you know he was a guy kind of feels out in the first round and then starts to to build and bring it so I looked at the output and I, I thought that Max had a little bit of an advantage in the fact that he's gone five rounds way more he was used to it and we've seen that he could bring that pace into the fifth round I looked at power and I gave it to Cater yeah I thought that Calvin had the you know the bigger power but I always looked and said but but I know that Max lives off of volume you know and it's that volume does he does he continue to build it and does he not accept punishment in the early rounds that allows him to continue with that volume into the later rounds and then it was the the footwork was the other thing you know i said i thought max was the more complete mma fighter with the kicks and everything he just proved me wrong in everything <laughs> as far as he was better everywhere yeah everywhere yeah. You know, even power, you know, he landed the heavier strikes for the most part throughout the fight. He, the volume was just incredible. Un, unbelievable how many, you know, he, when we tell, you know, we talk about fighters and we talk about guys that are guys that lead the dance, guys that are the initiators in the fight, and then guys that are the counter strikers. He was both, Josh. Yeah. He, he was, was leading the dance, and then when Cater would try to counter, he would counter that counter and land the strike. It was just an incredible. It was the best performance I had ever seen Holloway have besides. Everyone's forgetting that Ortega fight. Yes, that was a great fight. Oh, my God. It was so great good. He was so on point. But, you know, we were texting during the fight, and I go, dude, when you're on, yeah. you're on, and you go, there's beyond on. Yeah, there's beyond on. <laughs> He was, and let me just give you a rundown real quick on beyond, beyond, being beyond on is what he was. He shattered the records basically last night and, and the significant strikes landed. It's 445 is what he threw or what he landed. The record before oh. was 290. Significant strikes attempt, 744. The previous record was 515. Distance strikes landed. So he threw 439 of them. 280 was the record before. Significant head strikes landed, 274. The record before was 244. Significant body strikes landed was 117 by him. 92 was the record before. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Total strikes landed 447. The previous record was 361. Total <laughs> strikes attempted 746. 
the previous record was 550, 54, or sorry, 541. Five. 541. He, he destroyed the records in everything, in every class last night on the feet. But the one thing that I will say is I was wrong as well. I was wrong in the fact that I thought he'd have to wrestle more and mix it up to open up the striking. But what he did was he mixed up his striking all the way around. He hit Cater with a beautiful body shot in the first round. Uh, body the body kick, shots were the difference in the fight because yeah. he went to the body continuously, Josh. Yeah. It never stopped. But in the first round, though, he landed a, a body kick that set Cater back on his heels. It yeah. was nasty. It was loud. I want to say it was in the very, it was like towards the end of the first round. It was. It was that spinning kick that he yep. threw. Boom. And then as the fight went on, he kind of got away from it a little bit. Started throwing it again later in the fourth and the fifth round, I believe. But he was just putting together the combinations. And I also think when you have someone who hits a very, has, who has some power like Cater does, he did a great job. It's minimizing that power by hitting that little uh, John Jones thigh kick. Yep. That, exactly. that thigh I was just kick gonna say it. takes away from the actual power because you every can't time plant. he got heavy on that front leg, you saw him take and do that little stomp kick to the knee that made Cater go, oh, my weight's got to come back a little bit. Yep. And when your weight comes back, that means you can't sit down on your punch and you can't throw the power that you want to throw. Look, the 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 story of the of last night was how much he mixed it up. Max Holloway mixed it up the output in which he did it and also just the speed. His speed never slowed down from the moment the fight started to the end of the fight. He was just as fast in the first round as he was in the fifth round. And I'm going to be honest. I've said for the longest time that I thought Patricio would be the, would beat those guys at 145. But I got to tell you, last night, Max Holloway, he wouldn't be that came last night. He would not beat that Max that came last I night. I agree. And that's the only, and, and, and people need to hear it. Like, I know that we talk about True. being homers. When I see it. That fight and that performance last night was fucking just amazing remarkable it was, a, it was remarkable to watch him do what he did last night to a but, very very good fighter exactly and that's the other thing we have to bring up look it takes two to oh. make something like that happen and i know that yeah people are gonna sit there and say john you're saying you know he got killed he did calvin just got eaten up by a better fighter last night but man you have got to give it to calvin cater as far oh, as heart guts man some of those body shots he was taking josh you know again unless you have taken body shots you don't know yeah. you think oh it hurts no it freaking paralyzes yeah. you and Stability. he was taking oh so many of them and stayed in the fight he was so tough his nose was broken he never quit i, I think in the between the fourth and fifth round i texted you and i said look at his posture on the stool yeah. Because he knew, you know, he's getting talked to by Tyson Chartier and he's trying to give him some information and he's like, it ain't working, man. Yeah. But he's not saying it, but he's showing it through his, his body language. But I want to say this about the whole thing. You know, Daniel Cormier made some comments throughout that fight about, you know, this needs to be stopped. There was only one person that could stop that fight. Yeah. Okay. And it wasn't Herb Dean. Because if I put Daniel Cormier back into when he was fighting and we have Herb Dean stop Daniel Cormier when he's Calvin Cater, Daniel Cormier would have lost his fucking mind. 
Yeah. Because he's going to go back saying, you know, you took my ability. I there's I always have a chance. I never hit the ground. You know, what are you doing? Herb couldn't have stopped. There was there came a point it was close in the fourth. He could have. Yeah, from that it was getting close. Yes. But Cater was always at least trying at times to fight back. You know, when you got a guy throwing elbows, you've got to cover. You know, you can't always just, you know, get that offense and you've got to give him that space. And that's what Herb was doing. The only people that could have stopped that fight was Cater's corner. Mm -hmm. They could have done it. And there's nothing that anyone can say because they they know their guy better than anyone. Yeah. And they could have done it. Herb couldn't have done it. You know, and and Daniel would have been absolutely livid if he was the fighter in there and a referee stopped him at, at those moments. Yeah, I was looking at the fight as well, and I was thinking that there was moments there where D, where uh, Herb could have jumped. Close. Herb could have jumped in, but then every time when Herb would, Herb would tell him do something, he did it. Fight back. He threw one. He threw one. He waited for his moment, though he didn't just do it right away because the rep said it, which is smart on his part. Yeah. But he waited a second and he threw. He threw a shot a couple times. He landed some shots in those exchanges because Max was just getting off. It really just came down to the fact that when I started watching, I was listening to the corner as well into Cater's corner, is that. When he did, when he did listen to his corner, his corner kept telling him from the first round, "You're waiting. You have to go. You have to go." When he went first, he had success. He yeah. didn't go first majority of the time, but that came down to the fact that he realized how fast Max was he in was the first confused. round. Because, well, it's not just that; it's the <clears> speed. <throat> the speed itself makes you hesitant. It makes you yeah. flinch. It makes your reaction time. You're so tense that nothing comes out fluidly. So that means that you're forcing things and then your opponent sees it. When you load up, it causes you to load up because you're afraid that if you throw and you miss, you're going to get hit. That's what slows you down. You've got to do it naturally. It's got to come out in combinations. It was coming out last night in combinations for Max Holloway, but it was oh. not coming out in combinations for Cater. That was wow. the difference last night in the fight. And you saw it from the moment the fight started. But in my mind, when I was texting you, I said, damn, I go, he, he just needs to throw. He needs to get off and he, but he can't max is so much faster than him. He just can't get off. And that was when they came back and gave him information in, in the corner. I'm like, he's got to force the issue. Cause I used to spar with a guy named Thomas Dion's and man, he was fucking fast. The only way that I could beat him in sparring was I had to get into his grill, put my forehead into his chin and just stay there like in a phone booth. Because if I gave him any space, he would fuck me up. I mean, yeah. and this, you know, and, and Thomas didn't have a great MMA career. You know what I mean? But when sparring, he was just nasty. I mean, he was sparring with Luke Rockhold and just have, have his way with Luke if Luke let him stay on the distance because he was so damn fast. And he mixed it up like how Max mixed it up last night. Side kicks to the body, spinning back kicks, side kicks to the face, long jabs, inside leg kick, come over the top, overhand rights. I mean, Max last night was on point. And Cater, just with the speed factor, had no way of figuring out where he was going and what he was doing. And the flinching and the tenseness of, his, of him keeping his hands up it just wasn't making it come out fluidly and it showed from the beginning from the beginning of the fight and i was concerned because i wasn't concerned but I, in my mind i kept telling myself okay he's a slow starter it's going to get better it got worse yeah. it got oh, yeah. worse as the fight went on and he was taking there was, harder, that was the two things shots. it was well let's see if he starts to you know bring him that you know that game that he does he builds it was that but it was also, man, when I watched Max in the first round, I was like, holy shit. He has never started a, 
first round yeah. that I can remember the way he is putting things on Cater right now. I mean, he was just all over him. And it was funny because I, I remember the commentary team saying something about, you know, oh, Max is starting, you know, because of not sparring, which I knew that he wasn't sparring. And I was like, good. That's that's exactly what yeah. Max needs to do. He doesn't need the sparring right now. I was concerned about all the video games. I was concerned because I didn't know how hard he was training as far as, you know, being in shape. Obviously, he always does that. But, you know, they were talking about you know, he's starting to mark up. And I'm like, he's getting slapped. He's not even getting hit with hard yeah. shots. You know, he's not going to mark up. You, know, you take a look at what's happening. I go, Cater's not hitting him hard. He hit him hard a couple of times. Yeah. But all of those things, those are going to do nothing to him. And I, man, he, from the moment they started that fight, it was like his ass was on fire. And the only way for him to put it out was to throw shit because he yeah. just started throwing, man. And he was awesome. He has the, I think he also has the record. I, I have to look it up, but I, I recall reading this like a couple of days ago. If he got through this fight without being dropped, I think he has the record for, for the most rounds fought. I think 24, 25 rounds or something like that without being dropped, without ever being dropped. Um, which is pretty remarkable considering the guys that he's fought. I mean, oh, yeah. he's fought a lot of top, top guys. I mean, Jose Aldo, never been dropped. Brian Ortega, never been dropped. Yeah. He's fought guys with big power that um, they're really, really damn good. And he's never been dropped. Phenomenal. Well, yeah. Phenomenal and the other fight. part of that, when you look at you know fight metric, if you're if you're looking at a fighter and <clears throat> Max is, is like the poster child for this. Cater oh, yeah. was very similar, if you look at it, in that they both have a heavy output throw a ton of strikes, land usually somewhere in the uh, six to seven significant strikes a minute, but also eat about yeah. four to five significant strikes a minute. You know, and so you're looking at that, you know, that's a that's an output that is big, but it's also a, you know, a taking of damage that's high. And it, it it does worry you as you as you're looking at fighters, but man, he uh he just looks so good. I stood up at the end of the fight, <laughs> stood up, and I was given a standing ovation. As far as both guys, you you go. I go to that fifth round, mm -hmm. and probably a minute forty left or so. We're just about to talk about this, and he freaking starts talking to the commentary. But it wasn't so much that he was just talking. Cause he's talking and then he, you know, he's doing the whole thing with the boxing and he lands a beautiful jab and then slips a punch and you go, Oh dude, when it's on, it's on. There's what are you going to do? So it's not even so much when it's on, it's on. He just turned it on and never went off. But the other yeah. thing as well is when guys are out there having that amount of fun, it's hard. They're hard to be beat. Oh yeah. Every time you see someone out there having fun when they're out there, it's they're hard to beat because and that's they're, the, that's they're the big relaxed. thing that you're, that's the thing, you know, when you're looking at a guy who's talking to DC and Hardy during the fight and saying stuff and doing, he's having fun. Yeah, man. He, he, you look at a guy like that and after five rounds, when you're having that kind of fun now, I admit you're going to have a whole lot more fun being Max than you are being Calvin, but he was, he was having fun. And that's when you got a guy like Max with his skill set having fun out there, a hard, hard man to beat. Okay, let's talk about what's next for either one of these guys. I mean, can mm. you pull up the division, Dave? So, uh, Calvin Cater, I mean, realistically, I feel like the only fight for him, I would love to see him in Yair Rodriguez. Problem is, Yair is out for six months. 
Then he'll probably be out again right after that for another two months. And then they'll probably cut him because he's a pain in the ass. But I would like to see him and Zabit fight again. You know, and I think there's no way you can't say that Max Holloway doesn't deserve the next title shot after that performance. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you confused me, so if you're course, confusing me, you might that be. doesn't take much. I understand that. You're <laughs> saying you want to see Calvin fight Zabit again? Or I, you want to see Calvin fight Yair? I want to see him fight Yair, but that's but not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's too long. That's seven, okay. seven, eight months away. Let's just say seven, eight months away. Yeah. And then that's not going to happen. So I would, yes, I would like to see him fight Zabit again. That okay. would be the fight I would but like to see. But it's got to be a five-round fight. Yes, it's got to be a five-round fight for sure. And then I think once you go from there, I mean, I wouldn't mind watching him fight Josh Emmett, but I know Josh Emmett's out because of the knee, but I think he's coming back soon. Just the, amount, the reason why I wouldn't mind seeing that fight is because I would like to see what I just saw on Saturday night is another stand in front of each other and just throw. And Calvin Cater is going to do that with Josh Emmett. Both of them are going to just fucking throw down. I would think it'd be a great, it'd be a fun fight. No, I'm not that saying, would be a fun fight. You're right. It would be a fun fight. What yeah. I'm talking, I'm thinking in terms of I'm being selfish is I would like to see these fights because I want to see these this style of fight. So that fight would be fun. Him and Yair, I think, would be a fun fight because it will be on the feet. There will be a lot of uh, like uh, trickery, fuckery going on where they're just spinning, jumping, and Yair would be doing all that. And Cater's more of the straight kickboxer who would just come through and land some heavy big shots. I'd like to see that fight as well. Him and Zabit, I think, need to run it back because the tides were turning when they did fight. And Zabit yeah. was starting to... Uh, Cater was starting to come on in that third round. And if it in a five-round fight, I think it would be it'd make for a great, great fight, especially in the fourth and fifth round. But you cannot deny Max Holloway his title shot of the winner of Volkanovski and Brian Ortega. I don't think there's any reason to deny him that. He had a great performance last night. There's nobody else in there that he should have to fight until well, the beats, number beats one, somebody else. If you're number one and you have a performance like that, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. What 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 can you do? Yeah. He deserves it. Yeah, I can't think of anybody else. I mean, you've got you've got a Korean zombie. You've got Yair, who I think is going to drop from the inactivity for the next six to seven months. And then you've got Zabit. I mean, you could try to match Zabit up against Max, but I just I don't think you should, given that you're going to kill one of your guys fighting for the title. Max had a great performance. He's been the former champion. The last fight with Volkanovski was close. But who's to say that Volkanovski gets past Brian Ortega? And there's there's not one person I know that would say they would not want to see Max Holloway and Brian Ortega again. I, I don't oh. know anyone. I would love to see that fucking fight again. Of course. You know, and then Brian being who he is, he's made changes. I mean, he took that long layoff from the first fight, came back and had a great performance against Korean Zombie. And I, he's, he seems like a different fighter, not in terms of, He's just fighting smarter now than he did when he fought Max. And before he fought Max, he's matured, I think, as a fighter now. And yep. we saw it against the Korean zombie fight. We'll see how he looks against Volkanovski and how that fight goes. But, man, Brian is fucking good. And the two of them but have if, the body even, style that matches up well. Even if you have those three guys, yeah, you got the champ in Volkanovski, you got Ortega, and you got Holloway. You know, it could be that Ortega beats Volkanovski. I'm not saying he's going to, but it could be. And then he becomes a champ. Well, then you got Holloway. Well, Holloway's already got to win. And it could be that Holloway beats him again. And it could be that, you know, each guy can beat one guy, but they mm -hmm. have a hard time beating the other. You know, you could have a just a, a round robin going with those guys yeah. for a while. They're all that good. But then you interject as a beat. Then, you, inter then you interject maybe a Yair Rodriguez when yep. he comes back. And, you know, who knows? Maybe Korean Zombie. And even Calvin Cater comes back into there. Because Calvin <laughs> Cater, to me, is someone that, 
You put him against Korean Zombie, you put him against Yair. I think he has success against them and he beats him. If you put him against someone like Brian Ortega, I think he has success and he has the potential of beating him on the feet. If he stays, if he goes to the ground, I give Brian a big nod. Big yeah. nod on the ground. Yeah. You know, but that's what it is. It's the body styles to me that intrigues me the most. They're, you got Max who's long, lanky, fast. Brian Ortega is long, lanky, not super fast, but long and lanky. He has a granite fucking chin as we saw. Yep. And, but he's phenomenal on the ground. You know, and you mix you mix him in with the Caters and the Korean Zombie and the Yairs and the Beats. There's so many good fights for them to have in that in that division from you know from six up. Not to take anything away from Josh Emmett and Jeremy Stevens and those guys, but it's I think that's because they're, they're the new blood at starting at like five. You got Korean Zombie and then Yair. I mean, I know the Korean Zombie's not new, but I'm saying you know you got those guys that are right there making another run in there. It's so many good fights to be had in that in that top five. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, Mick and Sean don't have a real problem as far as being <laughs> no. able to match guys up in that division. No, but we have the same issue over in Bellator as well. With the, you know we've got oh, a yeah. stacked one forty-five pound division. You know and we've got a stacked one thirty-five pound division. I love it, man. I love the fact that there's these. There's plenty to talk about. The sport right now has not just not just for the top two promotions. I think across the board, one's got a bunch of good fighters going in right now, and they're having great performances as well. Did you, yeah. hey, hey, did you see the article that uh, I think it was Bloody Elbow put out on one Mm-mm. as far as what they do with their fighters and stuff? You've been there for a while. I was there. You for were a there for a while. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh-huh. Did you see any of that? No. What did it say? It said basically that they lock fighters into their their contracts. They cannot, uh, you know, go do anything. It's very similar to, you know, the other contracts that are out there with promotions. But they also don't have a oh we've got to offer you this many fights yeah during this amount of time so they get somebody that says something bad about them or uh-huh. they, they just put them on the bench and they just hold on to them and there's nothing the guy can do yeah but i was also but i also was told from a lot of the top people that were there they get a monthly salary the top guys do yes yeah guys i don't know like, if that applies to everybody guys like ong and them he gets a salary and he admitted yeah i get i get a monthly salary yeah but that's very few of them yeah i don't know why your manager would ever allow you to sign that contract you need a certain amount of fights guaranteed and if you're not well you know you're you're taking a look a lot of those a lot of the fighters out of one are from from asia Asia and thailand there and and they don't have anything they're gonna sign anything when i worked for them as a commentary um there was a fighter that I kid you not that the whole backstory on him was he lived in a cave. He was he was someone that lived in a cave, and he and he was he was a fun, entertaining fighter to watch. He was very good, like in terms of very um, aggressive and and just threw caution. It's because he lived in a cave. Yeah, he had nothing to lose. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like he was losing his house if if he lost. Um, no, but he, yeah, he he actually lived in a cave. They said that he lived in a cave for a while. The whole backstory on him was video of him living in a cave. It was crazy. Oh my God. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but yeah, yeah. it was, uh, that's nuts. He fought in the, he fought in the 145, they had a 145 pound tournament, like in one night. It was like, uh, two guys, it was, it was, I think it was their first fight in Beijing. I, I commentated that fight and, um, yeah, he was in the, I think he got to the semifinals in the tournament, but they fought, each of them fought three fights in one night. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Old school, old school MMA days back in the day. <laughs> Hey, uh, I, I do think that we need to take a moment and uh, 
say uh, our prayers and thoughts are with Paul Varlin, yeah. his family. Paul just passed away. Paul was one of the, we talk about pioneers. Paul was a pioneer. Yeah. Paul was a guy that fought in UFC six, fought in UFC seven, you know, fought Igor, Igor Vochanchin when no one knew who he was in Russia, you know, fought guys like, Mar, you know, Mark Kerr, Murray Smith, Paul, Paul was, you know, a huge individual, six foot eight, six foot nine, mm -hmm. you know, and, but a great guy. And, uh, he had contracted COVID. He tried to, you know, beat it down. He ended up in the hospital. They ended up putting him on a ventilator and then they were, they were going to take him off, uh, because he was doing better. And then he ended up getting a bacterial infection and that just brought him back down. And eventually he lost his fight. But I think, you know, you know, we all need to take a moment and remember Paul Varlins for being a guy that was uh, part of the history of MMA and, and one of the guys that actually made it happen. He was a San Jose hero, and I'm here in San Jose right now because is where I live. He was a San yep. Jose hero, not just because of his fighting in the UFC. He was a stud in terms of he played football here at San Jose State. And he was like one of people talked about him forever because he was just a stud, six eight, six nine, three hundred pounds, big, big, massive guy. But every I never, I had only met him like in passing, and I think I was a lot younger. I think I was like twenty one, twenty two. I, I don't think I was. I was younger. <laughs> I was like twenty one, twenty two. I think when I met him, and um, he was a nice guy. He was. Super he was nice. a very nice guy. And um, yeah, it's sad. It's sad to see. 51, I think he was 51 or 52 years 51 old. 51 years yeah, of age. Yeah, 51. So, um, yeah, our, like you said, our players go out to him and his family. And like you said, he, he was a pioneer of the sport. Uh, did he fight Marie Smith or was it Shogun Hua? Or not Shogun Hua, but... Um, uh, no, you're thinking Marco Hua, Marco UFC Hua. 7. Yeah, okay. I, I, thought like it, it. I thought it was Marie Smith, but no, it was Hua. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The street fighter. <laughs> I think he was... King of the streets. Wasn't he the first guy that fought in like the, the small shorts? No, Ken, no. Ken, 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 Ken Shamrock. Ken did, yeah, that's right. That's right. Ken Shamrock, he was a Speedo King. The Speedo. Came out in the Speedos, UFC 1, baby. I love it. I love it. <laughs> da -da -da -da. I you got to be, you know what? You got to be confident. He yeah. was confident. I that, there's that movie called Blue Crush, and there's that big guy. There's a, there's a big guy on there. He's And they say, what are you wearing? He's like, it was like he was like wearing a Hawaiian like sash or whatever it was, and He's like, oh, he's like, I don't want to show people my tarantanans. He's like, tarantanans. He takes the towel off and he's in his speedios. He's all, tarantanans. <laughs> so great. All right, I just kind of nerded out. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, What else? Pull up something. Let's go, Dave. Give us some news, buddy. So you were talking oh, earlier about, sorry, on you go, John. No, I'm just saying, we, we, we do have fights this Wednesday. And I think that the main event is an outstanding fight between mm. two guys you know either one can win it they're both very similar you know you got that michael chiesa versus neil magny fight that is a great fight I mean, both guys have fought studs in the past you mm -hmm. know and you take a look at this is a fight that either guy can win man it's it's a it's a pick em battle in my opinion Dave, give us your take on Michael Chiesa because we were talking before the show started when the cameras are off and the mics were off, and, and Dave has some very uh, strong feelings about Michael Chiesa. Whoa. I mean, I just think Neil Magny is going to win. <laughs> okay. Um, That's not exactly why? how he put it to me, but... <laughs> I mean, I, I, 
yeah, I, I just don't think Michael Chiesa has got that, like, that top, I don't think he's that top five caliber. I, why don't you just say exactly what you told me earlier? Stop trying to beat around the bush. Because I don't, because I don't want to be rude on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's a first. That's a first. I mean, all right, I want you to think about this, Dave. Sorry about that, Josh. No. I want you to think about this. Who are the guys that have beaten Michael Chiesa? I know he lost to George Masvidal. Yeah. He lost to Joe Lozon. Kevin Lee. All right. Kevin Lee was the choke. And then Anthony Pettis with a with a kind of a triangle armbar combination. It was a triangle. Mm-hmm. But those are his four losses. Now, I want you to take a look at the people that he has beaten. Because you can go all the way back to the ultimate fighter. When in the finals, he beat Ally Aquinta, choked him unconscious, mm-hmm. right? And he had fights. You know, you know no one's going to give a lot of credit. Colton, but Smith, Fran- Colton, Colton Smith was good, too, at the Colton time. Colton Smith is a good him. ground fighter, but yeah. Francisco Trinaldo, mm-hmm. that's a beast. That yeah. dude's a tough dude. Yeah, doesn't get the credit right? he deserves. He beat him, and then Jim Miller he beat. Dariush. And you know that Jim Miller is, a, is just a dog. Yeah. All right, good fighter. Beats Benil Dariush and beats him by submission. So that's a great win. And then beats Carlos Condit, beats Diego Sanchez, beats RDA. Man, he's faced some good competition. Yeah, I look at it, though, too. Diego, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Kiesa. I'm a big fan. RDA is not a big 170-pounder. Okay, go back. No, to the, go back. I to agree. Where but Diego Sanchez but is not a was big a one fifty-five or two. Yeah, I understand that. But have you seen Kiesa? He's fucking yes. enormous. I know. I he is believe so he damn big. The first time I saw him, like not in fight shape, I saw. I was like, Good God, he's got to be what six foot six one. He's oh, so he's, damn almost six two. He's so big, and like yeah. his legs and the the thickness of his bones, like his legs. They're enormous. He's a big, big guy. So when I look at Neil Magny, he's like tall, long, lanky, and the output is there, punch output, all the, everything is there. But Kiesa's bone structure is just thick and stout, and he's a, he's a tall, big, long, lanky guy. I think he's found his home at 170. But when I'm going through this, Dos Anjos is RDA is not a big 170 pounder. That's why he's back down to 55. Diego should probably be fighting at 55. Just doesn't want to make the cut. Okay, Carlos Condit is legit 170. Anthony Pettis, 55-pounder. Kevin Lee, 55-pounder. Darius, 55-pounder. These are all guys that he's fought that he is, I feel like, a lot bigger. Darius is a big guy. Darius is kind of a tall, long, lanky yep. big guy as well. So I And Kevin Lee is also a bigger guy as well. But when you get a Pettis, not a big guy. Diego's not a big guy. RDA is not a big guy. Scroll down, please. Ali Quinta's not a big guy. Like, he physically is bigger than a lot of these guys. Joe Lazan, not a big guy. He lost to Joe. But Colton Smith was a big guy, very big bone structure, very uh, stout kind of guy. Good. Um, but my point is, is that those guys that he has beaten, they were bigger. They're smaller guys than him. Now he's fighting someone who's long and lanky, who yeah. doesn't get the credit that he deserves. No, Neil Magny is probably a, the most him. underrated fighter, I think, in the whole sport. He's he's up there in the top three or four, I think, most underrated fighter in the whole sport. Because I, I also myself have caught myself going... He's going to lose this fight. Every time, it doesn't matter who he's fighting, he's going to lose this fight. And he goes out there and fucking wins. And not just beat it, he just picks them apart, tortures them, just beats them up. And I'm like, all right, he, how, did he, how did he do this? He does it every single time. And every time I see him matched up, I'm like, oh, he's going to lose. And he goes out there and wins. 
He is probably, like I said, the top three most underrated fighter. Kiesa well, it, just needs to come out and have a good performance, and I think he's got a chance. Oh, he's got to have a great performance, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, this is this is one of his toughest fights, just based upon Neil Magny can fight everywhere, and he has in some areas. I think he's got advantages now on the ground. They're both outstanding, but you know, Kiesa on the ground tends to make big mistakes at times mm -hmm. in trying to get himself out of situations. He'll give a situ he'll give something that if you have someone like Magni, he's going to be able to capitalize on it. So he's got to be careful with it. But, you know, Neil Magny's got wins against Eric Silva, Kelvin Gastelum. No one remembers that, mm -hmm. but you know, he beat Kelvin Gastelum, Josh. And you know, that was, it was a decision. It was a close fight. Then he went and he beat Hector Lombard in that battle that they had in Australia. That's right. Where Hector Lombard put it on Neil Magny. Almost had him out of the fight. And Neil Magny comes back out of that and wins mm -hmm. that fight. Just an incredible. It just shows the kind of heart that he has, you know. But he, Johnny Hendricks, people don't remember that he beat Johnny Hendricks. Yeah. He's beaten Carlos Condit, you know, same as, um, you know, you have with Kiesa there, but. He is, he's good. Yeah. You know, he is a good fighter. And, and I look at, you know, this fight is going to be one that whew, who makes the mistake. But if you're going to ask me looking at it, just like exactly what you're saying, Neil Magny is used to fighting the bigger, heavier guys where I'm not sure Kiesa is used to fighting those guys. And so I give the advantage to, to Magny in the fight. Obviously Kiesa can win it, you know, but, He's going to have to put on a great performance to beat someone like Neil Magny. Yeah, I give Kiesa the, I favor him on the ground as long as he's in top position. If he ends up on bottom, he's going to have a hard time, I think. Because Neil Magny is just, the way he distributes his weight, the way that he's so long and lanky, he's going to have a hard time doing stuff to him on the from the bottom. And Neil is, he's good off the bottom as well. There's not as much of a submission threat off the bottom that I don't think Kiesa can't handle. I think Kiesa yeah, can I handle agree. all of that. On the I feet, agree. though, on the feet, it's all Neil Magny. So I I'd look at it. Kiesa has to get this fight to the ground, but he also can't go ahead and just think in terms of I it's okay if I just pull him down on top of me. No. That's not it either. You got he's got to be on top. And I, he's got to do damage when he is on the ground. Exactly. Exactly. And but here's the one thing. Neil, when he does try to get up, he kind of gives that half back thing. And that's yeah. not what you want to do with Kiesa. Kiesa, if he gets under but your Kiesa back. Kiesa does the same thing. Yeah, very true. A lot of guys does do the it. same lot, thing. A lot of fighters do it, though. They feel they feel comfortable like they can't because be it works for them. It does. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's gonna. Yeah. I think it's one of those fights that's gonna be really good. But I will. I will say this. I want to say, f you to the UFC because this fucking card starts at like six in the goddamn morning on Wednesday. <laughs> you should be more grateful for fights on a Wednesday. Who the fuck? Who the fuck is gonna watch that fight? It's six in the goddamn morning. I think the main card starts at nine a.m. But I mean, like, I'm gonna wake up and roll over and go. Okay, prelims on. Like, come on, man. It begs the question. Um, what does it what, beg the question? It begs it... the question. What time is the pay per view gonna start next Saturday? Because no, it's gonna be at night. It's gonna be at night. Yeah, for because sure. remember Connor said he's like, I wait, I fight it at seven in the morning or nine in the morning. Which is our time. Oh, time. okay, okay. It's our time. Oh, because he said he got about getting two sleeps. Yeah, after wins. Boy, did that did that light things up, man! I heard more people talking about him and his two sleeps, yeah. like it was you know, 
oh my God, you can't do that. They, they're not understanding what's occurring. He's getting yeah. two sleeps because of when he's fighting. It's drawn out a little bit more because yeah. he's in Abu Dhabi, but I don't know. It's uh, interesting. Yeah, I, I sometimes get concerned about people that oversleep, though. And, and <laughs> no, I'm just being honest. Like when you have more rest, I mean, like, sure, more rest when you're a fighter is good, but um, sometimes you can be overrested. Some, you know, it's no different. Like if you oversleep, so you lay in bed all day, and I don't really have that problem. But Dave over here, I mean, he sleeps, you know, fucking 12 hours a night. <laughs> so there's times where you can oversleep and you get up, you're a little groggy, and, you know, you got to get through your day. I don't know. I mean, I'm making, I'm just kind of like, spitballing here <laughs> just whatever comes to that little peanut brain eh? yeah just, yeah pretty just much. coming off the tongue yeah yeah cte buddy CTE. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh yeah but that, i think i think the fight itself is very underrated so hopefully i think it'll perform very well i think you guys if you guys watch the fight you guys will, you guys will like it. it's gonna be a good fight uh, I like i said i'm just mad at the fact that it's at 6 a.m is the prelim start and then at 9 a.m is the main card well, it's not. It's nine o'clock here, so you're right. Six o'clock Pacific, nine o'clock Eastern. Oh yeah, that's true. But you know, there, there's a, you know, there's. You look at some of the fights. They've mixed them up where I want to see a certain fight, and then they got a couple I don't really give a damn about, yeah. and then another one I want to see. It's like, oh dang it! Why don't you just put all the good, the ones I want to see and thing? Just you know, take my word. This is where the way you should. Well, you know, it's <laughs> you know it's a grumpy old man. What's gonna happen though? What's gonna happen is that there it's gonna be one of those sneaky good cards. Watch, like all yeah. the, all the fights will be good. Yeah, it's a bunch. It's a bunch of younger fighters really trying to make a name Who for themselves. Gonna go for it, and they're just gonna let it all sling. So, I mean, I uh, wish them all the best, man. Should be a fun. Should be a fun card to watch. Like, you know, is it not... Umar on that fight on that card? No, is he on Wednesday? Who? No, he's, he's on Wednesday. Is he on Wednesday? That's right there. Your no, Umar's scroll, on that one. Scroll down. So. Scroll down more. I think he's on Saturday, buddy. Oh, wait, oh no, he is. I there thought he is. was on yeah, Wednesday. 12 and 0. 12 and 0. I thought he was on Saturday, but yeah, he is on Wednesday. Oh, he okay. is. Khabib's, Hello. Khabib's little cousin. He is on there. Yep. Umar Nurmagomedov. Because, in fact, because you heard that uh, Habib was in Abu Dhabi to yeah. corner his cousin on Wednesday. Yes, yes. Look, I mean, he's not going to be there for the Connor and Dustin fight, he's going to Vegas. Yes, yes, because uh, who was fighting in Vegas? I don't know. Yeah, there's something in Vegas. That, anyways, um, yeah, I think uh, Islam was. I talked to Islam yesterday, Islam Makachev, and he was saying that they're going to be in Vegas next two weeks. So when he comes okay. in two weeks, that's not a thing. He's going to be there, I think, until his fight, which is like in March, which is crazy. Um, yeah, I know. I was like, why did you get scheduled so far out? Your fight was supposed to just happen, and now you're fighting like in March. Why didn't they put you on a sooner card? But um, if you guys have not seen little Umar fight, he is a completely different style than his cousin. Than it could be. Oh, yeah. He has more of a Usman uh, style, not Usman the wrestler, but Usman the brother. And he's got more of that style, that Taekwondo style stand up. He's very active. Um, he's 12 and 0. He's good, good on his feet. He's good on his he's feet. Fun. He's fun. He does leave himself open a little bit here and there, but he's a gamer. He will throw the fuck down with anybody. He's fun to watch. Such a good, humble young kid. Love it. Like he was a, he, he makes, he makes older fighters like myself when I come into the gym feel really good. So when you walk in, he's like, he's like, oh, he like, he's, 
Come over here. Come, 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 go, coach, coach, come help me. Come help me. He's talking to me. Coach, coach, come help me. Help me. Help me with this. Like, show me this. Show me that. I saw you did this in one of your, like, he goes back and watches old fights. And like I said, he's making me feel good about myself. So it's, but it's great. He always has questions, always wants to know, tries to pull you aside and like, show me how you do this. Show me how you do that. And he drills it and drills it and drills it right there in front of you. And the next time he spars, like, Coach, Josh, Josh, come watch me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And he tries to do it while he's live sparring. He's just a really, really good kid. Love watching him uh, train. I can't wait to see him on the bigger stage and get his, get his opportunity. So fun, yeah. fun fighter fun. to watch. Have you ever roughed him? No. 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 I watched him one time. Yeah. I've never roughed him. He's fun. Good kid. They've got a lot of good, good kids that like, um, have come over with Khabib and Islam and and uh and abu baka and stuff they've got a, a lot of young good kids that have come over very respectable always nice to be around i like all their little joking that they do on the side they do it in russian but then they tell you in english and it's even more funny because of their accents and the way they talk shit. it's so fun it's so fun um but yeah i'm excited for him to be on the big stage what else you got for us dave so did you guys watch the post fight um presser last night where max was basically saying like he's going to be on stand he he himself is saying he's going to be on standby for any fall-offs next weekend yeah that ain't happening no. and dana <laughs> that's what dana said know. as well yeah i love i love max for you know putting himself there and having the confidence to say man hey boom i'll step in uh there's this thing called a medical suspension and although he didn't take a lot of damage he's going to have a medical suspension that will be longer than the one week for that fight so yeah at least 14 he, he days he needs to let his brain heal yeah I mean, even He's even feeling though good which yeah. josh you know you go back to this we we had a lot of concern in the mma community about max if you recall because yeah. there was that point where all of a sudden he was slurring words and things were and everyone's like hey what's going on they pulled him out of fights yeah this is when he was the champ and he was having some difficulties and he's gotten past all that and he's doing good. And now he's not, like I said, he's not sparring because he used to spar all the time. And one of the things that I loved in the press conference, like Dave is talking about, he talked about, you got to take care of your chickens. You got to take care of that brain. And he's right. And this is, you know, I say it all the time. You cannot destroy your race car in the gym. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to take enough damage and enough torture in that cage under the lights. Don't waste what it has in the gym where it's not, you know, going to yeah. do anything for you as far as making you money. And he's got that down now. He understands it, and it's important. You know, you can only take so many shots, and you got to be careful. Yeah, if you look at the some of the best boxers in the world, and like I've had opportunity to spar with some of them. I've talked about it all the time. But I spar with Robert the Ghost Guerrero spar with him a bunch of times i talked to him about his sparring he's like he's like i only spar once a week he's like and i actually don't even start sparring until i'm about four weeks out from the fight and he does not mm -hmm. spar with anyone that he doesn't know usually well yeah that is not going to try to light him up well he he sparred like when I, we had never sparred before the first time but i went first while he was still fresh so if i did try to do anything to him he was still yep. fresh enough to fuck me up it yep. didn't really make a difference because he was so damn good. It was it was miserable. It was the the worst uh, twelve rounds I ever did with him. I never did twelve straight. I was always the first four while he was warming up, basically, and um, it was horrible and miserable. But they he only sparred once a week, and he never started sparring until about five, you know four weeks out. 
but a lot of it was all bag work, mitt work, timing, drills, yep. all that stuff was hours put in on getting the techniques down. And that's one of the biggest problems I think that I see. And the reason why I say is, is I see it all the damn time at AKA. You have young kids that come in, they don't hit the bag. All they do is put on their shin guards and their gloves and their headgear and their mouthpiece. And they're like, let's spar. Soon as sparring's done, we would normally like, you know, you spar say four or five, sometimes seven, six, seven, eight rounds, you know, in the lighter room. And then we'd get done sparring. And then as soon as we're done, we grapple three to five rounds. They just take their shit off and sit against the wall and watch everyone else grapple. They're not interested in being MMA fighters. They're interested in just coming in to spar with like pro fighters. I'm like, but why? Why are you doing this? If if they're, I, I get it. You want to have fun. You want to. But why? Why come three days a week and get your ass kicked? Do damn it. Do get, get brain damage for no reason. You're never going to be a top fighter if you're not going to spend time coming in on wrestling days, grappling days, or even just grappling yep. after you spar when you're here on sparring days. They literally just take their shit off and watch all the other guys grapple. And I'm like, How, what are you doing? How are you going to get any better? And so when I see Max make the change, he's like, yeah, I'm not sparring. I would like to see him like, you know, you spar, but not spar. Like you said, I was saying once a day, like once a week, you know, get your timing down. But he didn't need it. I mean, you saw. I was going to say, wow. Yeah, he really made a mistake because no. he didn't look that good. He looked fucking phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. He looked absolutely is, phenomenal. The problem is this. We we tend to hang on to things. We tend to. We learn something a certain way and we are resilient in making a change yeah. because we don't like change most humans don't it's just part of who we are as you know a species but you know what we did is we, we took from old-time boxing because old-time boxers they sparred all the time mm -hmm. but we've learned too much to stay with that antiquated yeah. style of training we have got to get to the point where most of your training is done being smart hitting pads, timing on bags, movement in and out. And then you can always have those days where you go in with somebody that you trust, that you know that they're going to give you good looks. They're going to give you, you know, a, a way of they're going to, they're going to touch you, but they're not going to tag you. Mm -hmm. There is a difference. Yeah. And you've got to make sure that you are training with all of the elements that we understand today and the way that we can look at fighting and approach it without damaging our body, our brain, you know, while we're in the gym, you, you just can't do those things. You, you can't make that, you know, you can't feed into that, that thought process of, Oh, I need to get hit. I'm not saying when you're a young fighter, look, you, you have to prove not only to yourself, but to your coaches and stuff, you have the ability to take a shot and respond. But once you've proved that you can do that, and Max has done that way yeah. too many times yeah. in real life action in the cage, there's nothing to prove. Once you, if you, if you know how to take a shot and you know how to respond, that's not going to change. You know, there are guys that they'll take a shot and they don't respond. They actually start to implode based upon that shot. They, their mind starts to just turn off and you can either try to teach them how to be able to accept that shot and maybe they'll learn and sometimes they'll never learn yeah. and they're never going to be the fighter, but taking repeated shots every week in a place where no one's watching, 
is not good for you. And I'm glad that Max has changed that. Way to go, Max. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here, let's talk real quick about the MMA community and the reaction that the UFC and USADA have decided to disconnect themselves from marijuana. They it's said about it time. Yeah, but here's my next question. And this is from a guy that's never taken marijuana in his life. Sure, buddy, sure. <laughs> I, <laughs> I believe Say whatever you, you want. I'll I take a lie detector test right now. I baby. believe you, which you've been programmed to beat those lie detector tests. <laughs> <laughs> oh, former cop. Come on, buddy. You know how to beat those things. Um, like You're right. It's been about, it's about time. Then anything to get people off opioids, I 100% uh, support. The other thing, though, but I, because you would know more about this, obviously, is do the commissions follow suit now? They don't have to. They it all depends to. on what is part of the commission's regulations. It doesn't matter what USADA does. Yeah. Unless that commission has joined itself with USADA and said, we will take whatever USADA does. Then their regulation would change with USADA's. Have you had any conversations with uh, Andy Foster about this? The California. I have not talked to and Andy has always had the the uh, perception that marijuana is not a big deal okay. in fighting. You know, we both have that same feeling that, you know, look, if you're going to say it's performance enhancing, I'm going to tell you you're full of shit. You're an idiot. You know, okay. It's not performance enhancing when it comes to fighting. Now it has its, uh, I think benefit, you know, benefits, especially for fighters, especially with inflammation. Yes. You know, and that's inflammation of every part of you. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a good thing that it does for fighters. Now it's, I'm not saying it's for everyone. And again, the, the real question is you have a plant-based material that's natural and, and you think that's horrible based upon, again, going back way in the, in the past where we had people with political reasons why they didn't like it and why they wanted to fight against it. And there was money involved, but you're okay with them taking a narcotic, you know, like an Oxycontin and that's okay. It's like, come on, you're just being ridiculous. Yeah. And USADA has known for years, Josh, I'm talking over 10 years that marijuana doesn't have a performance enhancing ability. It's not going to, it's not going to enhance someone's athletic performance. If, so, you, if you're at home reading this headline and you're fucking Nick Diaz, what goes through your mind? Oh, yeah. well, especially when you go back to, you know, God damn, when was that fight? I want to say it was 2016 that I mm -hmm. did the Anderson Silva, Nick Diaz fight. And Nevada wanted to take away his career off of marijuana use. That's how crazy it was at the time. You look and you go, what are you nuts? You know, and uh, I'm going to point out one more guy too. How fucking, ahead. how upset are you if you're Pat Healy? You lost $140,000 in bonuses. Oh, yeah. Can I have that back? $140,000 in bonuses because you tested positive for marijuana after you beat Jim Miller. Well, how fucking pissed off are you right now? Look at all the money that, that Nick Diaz has lost yes. based upon you know, being tested and coming back above the nanogram, you know, limit of 150 nanogram. It's like, come on. He's yeah. not getting a performance enhancement. I, you, I, there's going to be people on the comments saying, oh, it's been proven. Bullshit. Again, all I can say is I've had a lot of people in their time, in my time, try to beat my ass. And not one of them was high on marijuana. <laughs> I love it. It's true. It's true. 
I've never seen someone high try and rob a bank. Nope. <laughs> or kill somebody else. They're not real aggressive. Yeah. Look, I want you guys to go back in about 20 seconds and listen to what John said again. He said he reads the comments. Okay, so I just want to make sure everyone knows that it's not just me. John reads them too. He said it's going to be in the comments. <laughs> no, I, I actually it. tried to read some I of the know. comments from because of the Connor effect and everything that we had. And, I love and it. dude, I started way too late because it was like at 2000. I said 2000 comments. Oh my God. So I was trying to excuse like that. I, I, I can't it. do it. Josh is a better man than me. I've, I've read every single one of your guys. He's not bad, man. And I'm, and I'm not, not bad, man. I'm not fucking lying. I've read every single one. I mean, I haven't read today's. There's 15,000 comments or something is like there, that. No, or 7,000 or something like that. No, no, it's only like 4,000 or something. No, it's like, it's like 8,000. Anyways, you can go to the newest comments and I just read down to where I read from the time before. A lot of the comments, I haven't read every single one because there's comments inside comments. I'm just yeah. reading the ones. <laughs> I'm not reading all the, re I don't read all the replies. Okay. I just read like the comments. Uh, well, so are, then you're not reading all the comments. No, no, no. I'm re Yeah, I mean, I'm reading the ones that people have started their own comments. I'm you're, you're doing the ones that start the yeah. conversation. I'm surprised you don't, you don't read the the comments inside the comments because those replies. are usually like fight people fighting yeah, amongst I each I other. I don't care about that. But isn't that why you read them in the <laughs> no, first no, place? No, I read them to see what I read them to see what people's first initials uh, uh, comment is going to be. Okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are sometimes I'll jump into the replies, you know. But if it has like fifteen replies, I know they're fighting, so I don't even bother. This <laughs> it's like it's, you, if it goes like all of a sudden there's like twelve or there's or there's forty replies in one comment. I already know that they're arguing about something, so I don't even bother reading those. But um, but yeah, it is. The, to go back to the marijuana situation, um, it does decrease the inflammation. So fighters that have trained and they've been, you know, they're training all week and there's body inflammation inside them all week. But the one thing that the positive I've, I've read this as well, and I've heard other, other people talk about this is that the inflammation in your body is being an athlete as well as anybody else. It, it's one of the leading causes of cancer. And so the fact is, is if you're keeping your inflammation down, and keeping all the inflammation out of you, whether it's your ligaments, your 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 intestines, your your your, your muscles, all those things, you're helping keep your body uh, healthy. And I'm not saying that you should sit at home and just fucking blaze all the time. <laughs> Good, you just, know, just blaze it yeah, out. Yeah, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying if you're doing, let's just say you're doing five, you know, five to ten milligrams a night to go to sleep, rest, get up, you feel revived, you feel refreshed. I mean. That's uh, that's something that I think a lot of people should instead of taking, you know, NyQuil or whatever to help yourself sleep or taking any other type of medication to help yourself sleep. This is one of those natural herbs that I think is good for people, you know, in terms of, you know, getting the inflammation out of your body, helping you rest, waking up, feeling refreshed. I mean, I, I listen to a lot of Rogan and Rogan talks about, oh, look, you know, I'll do a little bit of milligrams at night before bed, wake up, feel good, do the hot, do the cold plunge in the sauna, a little bit of that in the morning. He's like, I feel like a fucking new man. Start taking care of yourselves, people. That's one thing. And then being healthier. That's another thing in terms of with this COVID situation out there, this should have been one of those times that everyone should be like, you know what? This is a good opportunity for me to work on me in terms of whether it's run in the morning, you're working from home. Go for a mile long. You don't have to run five miles. Don't get that in your head. Just walk. Go walk. Go walk. Or go run one mile and then walk another mile or whatever it is. Or walk a mile, then run a mile, then put it all together. But come home, take care of yourself. You know, I mean, those are the things that will help you live longer and be in what I know you're fat, dude. Were, what do were, you care? Were you were you singing the proclaimer song right now? <laughs> you're like, 
go walk 500 miles. <laughs> um, but no, in terms of, in terms of just, this should have been a moment, this, this time, this eight to 10 months or whatever it is that we've been in COVID should have been a time for people to start taking care of themselves. And we've seen the opposite effect where people are using drugs to the extreme. Suicides are up. Mental health is going to be increasingly up. The kids um, mental health is going to be increasingly up as well. So this should have been time where people spent focusing on themselves and making themselves better in terms of healthier and, uh, and educating themselves as well. YouTube is out there. There's other videos. There's other, the internet's out there. You can learn so much about these products that they're talking about. We talked about microdosing last week and there was a ton, a ton of comments, you know, about it in terms of what, what I do. And like I said, I don't, I haven't used it in probably over a year. I'd say a little bit longer than that, but I haven't needed to. You know, I, like I said, I probably should get back on it. <laughs> no, but, but you know, this is what the whole thing is this. And, and there's nothing that is for everyone. No, nothing. But if something is good for you and makes your life better and makes you healthier, inflammation, no matter what, is bad for you. It causes you to be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Now, some people more than others, but it's always something that you're looking at. We know that inflammation is bad. Whatever you need, you know, and this to all the subscribers out there, everybody listening to us, man, if you do something that you know works for you and makes you a better person and makes your life better, do it. Yeah. Do it. You know, as long as it's not hurting someone else, do it. You know, I, and yeah, yeah, coming from the guy that was the police officer and stuff, mm-hmm. I have my opinion on drugs. And unfortunately, a lot of people use them to, take pain away all kinds of pain mm-hmm. and that leads them down a road where they can't get out of things that's a problem but don't as long as it's not controlling your life and it's making your life better do it i wouldn't here's the other thing as well is i i don't know how many people that are addicted to marijuana in terms of if i was to take oxycotton and vicodin and I put the two things in the room i would be almost guaranteed if i had 10 10 people that that were on this side and 10 people were on this side and they did both, which one could they walk away from first? They could all walk away from marijuana if they had to. If you put someone on Oxycontin or you put them on Vicodin, or yeah, they, they, they're going to get addicted and this, they're going to have a harder time trying to quit that drug than they are trying to walk away from marijuana. And I, that to me says everything. This They both have very similar effects, but one is not as addictive. And that's all I care about because that's what, that's what starts fucking up people. It's not just their body, but their mental state. They start reprogramming their brain to believe that they need that drug to get through the day. I mean, if you guys go back and watch what Mark Kurz, he went all the way for his documentary, The Smash Machine. Is it what it was, is it what it was called? Smashing Machine. Yeah. He went from doing oxys to doing what? They were saying 40 to 50 a day. Doing Oxycontin. And then when he couldn't get high off that, he started doing morphine. It just leads into more stuff. You don't see that with marijuana. They get high. They fall asleep. Yeah, <laughs> they that, wake up yeah, and they're good. That was the, that was the old political thing of yeah. you, know, you know, like the dairy. You know, it's a gateway drug. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you're either gonna take something or you're not. I, you know, sometimes yeah. there's even like the 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 feeling of marijuana where you're like, I actually do not want to get high because I have shit to do. Yeah, like you you have that attitude and you're able to like control that feeling versus like you say with other shit where you're like. Oh, you know, this might help me here. This might make me feel good yeah. about whatever, you know? Yeah, that was the other thing. When I was talking about the microdosing, people were, we were commenting like, 
you know, like, how do you feel? I was like, you know what you do is I don't, you don't feel anything. There's no, there's no tracers. There's no, you're not visually seeing anything. Like you're not getting to that point. Literally, you just feel energetic. You feel like you, your focus is on point. If I say that I need to get this list done, I have to do all my bios for fights or whatever it is. I sat down at a computer and you'll sit there for four or five hours. Next thing you know, you're done. You've done. You've done research on 25 fighters or 40 fighters because there's 22 fights. You know what I mean? Like Hell, I need that stuff yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just simply saying versus when we talked about Adderall, when you have college kids and even high school kids now because of the pressure of getting such good grades to get into good schools, is they're taking Adderall. High school kids are taking Adderall and they're up until... And then the next day they feel like shit. The come downs are real. So they take it. The next day they feel like shit. They don't perform. So what do they do? They keep taking it and they keep taking it because they have to, because they don't want to feel those come down feelings. And it's no different than someone that does meth and crack and Coke and all those things is they never want to come down. So they, what do they do? They keep feeding themselves the same thing in terms of the marijuana and the, and the microdose. If you do everything in moderation, I feel like this is, these are all natural drugs that come from the earth. These are all chemically in based drugs. The other ones that the pharmacies are giving you, pharmaceuticals are giving you, and they're addictive and they're extremely addictive. And it's been proven. Why do we keep doing that to our people? Everyone worldwide. I think it's disgusting. I wish that I wish that we could just finally get into all the scientific benefits of, of the natural drugs. And go from there. I agree. Um, let's talk. Uh, okay, let's talk the decision 2.0 because, you know, LeBron did it first and now Khabib's doing this with the whole um, he sat down with Dana, had the talk. Are they going to is going to fight again? This big whole thing. Basically, he said he's retired until somebody sparks his interest yeah. for the 30, and 0, which means that he's not going to hold up the division, which there's no he's not holding up the division right now. The dust has got to settle at the top. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, if Connor wins, Connor needs to probably gonna have to fight again. It's not he's not gonna just gonna give him. He's not gonna uh, after fighting Dustin. If he beats Dustin, he sparks Dustin. He's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna give Connor the automatic rematch. He wants Connor. Yeah, to but fight what if he? Okay, hold on, hold on. If he sparks Dustin, and I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but he does it like he said within his 60 second because he made that comment. I'm gonna. It'll be within 60 seconds. If he does, isn't that a dominant performance? Do you think that would be enough for, for Habib to say, all right, yeah, you had a great performance. I, I want to beat you again. John, do I think it's enough? Do I think that's a dominant performance? Do I think I would love to see that fight happen again? Do I think that Connor can he do it? I think he can. Would it be enough for Khabib to say, let's, let's fight again? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Khabib, what, he's, what I want and what you want and what we think would be a dominant performance for him to fight Khabib again? I don't think that would be it. He, I think I think Khabib wants to see that he's changed. He's not just a stand-up guy. Now you're fighting just a stand-up guy in Dustin Poirier, who has great submissions, okay? But he's not known to be a wrestler slash jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah. He's got great submissions. There's no doubt about that. I mean, we saw him with the Armin Guillotine with Khabib. It was on tight. It was on yep. really tight. So he's got it in his, in his back pocket. I think he wants to see someone like Conor fight a Charles Oliveira. He wants to see, are you that good? Are you somebody that if you get taken down, can you withstand the, the jiu-jitsu of someone like a Charles Oliveira? I think the Charles Oliveira kind of sparks Khabib a little bit more than the Connor fight, the Dustin fight, and the Gaethje fight, fighting one of them again. I think because it's new blood and he brings something that I've said forever is that it, the guy that's going to threaten him the most will be a guy that's really good on the ground. And yeah. We haven't seen a really good guy on the ground like in terms of a Damian Maya until Charles Oliveira. Well, Charles Oliveira off of his back, 
is very dangerous. Yes. On top, he's very dangerous. So he's got the complete jujitsu game. Here's a guy that I don't care where you put him. He can pull off a submission. He is sneaky good, mm-hmm. you know, with his submissions. You know, you got to look, you know, he's been, you know, coached by, you know, Jorge Patino forever. And he is just dynamite in all positions on the ground. So, I, you know, he could create situations that could put Khabib into trouble. And I can understand why Khabib would, would look at him and go, that's a guy I'd be interested yeah. in. Yeah. Because if you scroll, can you scroll up? Look at that in the 155 pound of weight class. There's sure, yeah. no guy. I know, but up a little oh. bit more. There's no guys that are good that are good wrestlers and slash jujitsu guys together. Okay, you've got Gregor Gillespie, who's number 14. He's a great, unbelievable wrestler. Great wrestler. Not a not a super good submission guy. No. Great wrestler. Okay, no, phenomenal wrestler. wrestler. Um, Kevin Lee, decent wrestler. Stand out right guy. now. Yeah, out out. Ale Quinta, he's already fought. We're not talking about guys that motivate him. The rest of them are all stand-up guys. You got Tony Ferguson. Unfortunately, he's got two losses in a row. Two losses in a row, and it's not, that fight's not going to ever happen. I'm just be like, and, and I think even uh, Khabib came out and said he's like, he's Tony's done. Tony, he's like, basically, I'm not even considering him anymore. Charles Oliveira, I think, sparks his interest a little bit in terms of what he did to Tony, and then coming up, he's going to end up having to fight one more guy. He's going to either fight Justin Gaethje or he's going to fight Dustin Poirier or, or Connor or somewhere in there. He's going to have to fight one of those guys before he gets to Khabib. And if he yeah. has a dominant performance against Justin Gaethje or if he has a dominant performance of, let's say, he fights somebody else, I think I think that might be somebody who sparks his interest. The sparks could be because it's 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 somebody that in the division, we have not seen a really top, top level jiu-jitsu guy at 155. They're all very good, but this guy's at a different level on the ground. Charles Oliveira is just a different level than everybody in that weight class on the ground. And I think that those are that guy is going to be the guy that threatens Khabib the most in terms of, you know, Khabib wants to get the takedown because on yeah. the feet, I would give it to Charles. I'd Charles give the better feet. on the feet. He's better on the feet, but we, yeah. but so was Not Connor. By a lot. Connor was better than Khabib on the feet too. But the threat of yeah. the takedown really makes people think that they have to stop the takedown, put their hands down. Khabib can land the big shots on the feet. That's what happened with Connor. I think that would happen a little bit with Oliveira. But Oliveira doesn't care if he goes to the ground. I mean, a lot of people he don't. He cares. He'd should. like to be on top. He would like to be on top. But I'm saying he's not as concerned about being on his back <laughs> as all the other guys that, that no. Khabib has fought. To me, that that fight sparks my interest the most. The only problem is Charles Oliveira is not a big name. That's the hardest part. You're gonna have you're not gonna have a hard time selling it because it's Khabib. But you're going to have a hard time thinking that people are going to think it's going to be a close fight. So some people may not tune in. As many would tune in because Charles, uh, Charles is not the guy. You just have a big name. Yeah. I think with one big, another big win over someone like a, a Connor, somebody like a Dustin Poirier or a Justin Gaethje, I think that catapults him into like, okay, now this sparks Khabib's interest. Uh, I'm not sure if, is Charles on an eight or a nine fight win streak right now? Somewhere close to that. I think it's seven. But is it seven? I think he's one. Dave, seven. pull it up. It's What's coming up right now. He's it's coming, coming up right now. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight. Ooh. Eight fight win streak. So that was if he gets a uh, if he does fight Justin, and we'll say he beats Justin, mm-hmm. that's nine fight yeah. win streak. That's saying a whole lot. I think he in beats the Justin. UFC nine fight win streak. Boom. I think he beats Justin. Well, I, I mean, you know, Justin, I think, Justin touches you know, that, his that's chin, a fight. he'd be in trouble. 
that, well, that's a fight that, you know, either guy could, if it stays on the feet, I give it to Justin. I do too. If it hits the ground, I give it to Charles. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's a pretty simple fight. If you're looking at it as far as, Hey, if the fight stays here, this is the guy that's going to win. If the fight goes there, this is the guy that's going to win. So, yeah. What if Chandler comes in and has like a massive performance? I know he probably needs one more after that, but like, yeah. I don't think that, I don't think that Habib looks at Chandler in any way, mm -mm. in any fashion. I don't think he gives a shit. Mm -mm. You don't even think with a, with an impressive performance that that, that opinion changes? No. no. He's going to need at least one more. I would say with Habib, he would want, hey, you need a couple more. Yeah, he's so let's just say he beats Dan Hooker, who's ranked number six right now. That puts that puts Chandler then at say let's say six, and Dan Hooker slides down one. Everyone bumps down one, okay. so that puts him in the mix right there. But then you still have got you still got Tony ahead of him. You still got Connor ahead of him. You still got Oliveira ahead of him, Dustin and Justin, and of course the champ Khabib. So where does that put him? He needs at least maybe even two more fights before he would even start talking about getting to getting to Khabib. So if he let's just say he beats Dan and it, Hooker and has a great performance, and is Khabib even around by then? Yeah, and that you're you're talking two more fights. That's a, I mean the way that it's talking another going, year. You're talking another year, year and a half. You know, I mean at least because by the time you book that title fight in three fights, you're talking two years. Here's what I, what I think would be a good scenario: Chandler beats Dan Hooker impressively, and then Connor beats Dustin. Connor and Chandler fight, uh, and the winner of that one gets Khabib. Yeah, you're saying that, but I don't think Connor would ever fight Chandler because there's just not enough UFC recognition. Connor said he would take anybody. He would. I think I'm I think saying he would take anybody. Way. But go ahead. Everything depends upon the performance. Yeah. Of either Dan Hooker or Michael Chandler in that co-main, if they put on a great one of them puts on a great performance and gets rid of the other, you know, the first thing they're going to do if they're smart is call out the winner of the next fight. Yeah, and and especially call out Connor. You, that's that's your money guy. Yeah, it's just not gonna happen, man. Like in terms of like that's the thing. I'm just I look. I'm just trying to be realistic here. Like let's just not. It's just not gonna happen. Dan Hooker and and Michael Chandler are not gonna get. They're not gonna get Connor. You know, I could maybe see the Dan Hooker thing coming about, but not the not the Chandler thing coming about. I could see. I Ch could. I you really. If he says the right things, everything is about how you. Everything is about setting it up. Yeah, it's all about the setup. I look at and, I look at Con I look at Chandler as the king of cringe. Like when you hear his interviews, <laughs> that's because you don't like him. I know, bro. but he also his but his interviews are kind of a little they're scripted. It's very like scripted on what he says. It's it's not it's not. I, it's, I know I don't like him. I get it. We everyone knows I don't like him. Okay, is but the thing is, is that it's scripted. Like and people even we've commented. I, that's why I read the comment sections. I want to hear. How people don't like him I, too, based off of his <laughs> interviews, and they don't like him because it's very cringeworthy. Like it's a lot of that. So, anyways, but I think we get into that mix, uh, Dan Hooker and Connor. But I mean, you're gonna put. I think Connor goes right to a not to a title shot, but he goes okay for the vacant title or interim title until Khabib figures it out. And it's either gonna be Oliveira or it's gonna be or yeah, I would only assume Oliveira would be the next guy for him. So he seems like he's making a push for Tony because he's got a lot of respect for Tony. Let me ask you this. Do you think that Connor, there's the, at least three fights in Connor this year based on what he was saying when we talked to him? Well, if you listen to Manny Pacquiao's manager, he says that they're almost guaranteed to have this fight this year for in boxing. <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised. I, I'm saying new. Why, why? Ain't going to happen. What do you know? Talk to me, Goose. <clears throat> well, first off, 
here, just go back to our, our interview with Connor. Connor gave you a couple of words in there about it would have to be going through the UFC. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you? His contract says what? Who's in charge of where he can fight and what he can fight? Yeah. Okay. So they've got they've got to say, okay, that that ain't gonna happen right now. The last thing they need, you you had the Floyd thing. They don't need Connor going and having another boxing match where he loses. Hmm. I'm not saying he's gonna lose, but he's gonna lose. <laughs> Manny Pacquiao. He's going to lose. I'm not saying he's going to lose, but he's going to lose. <laughs> Let's just John. be real. John. We're talking to Manny Pacquiao has forgotten more about boxing than Connor will ever know. And, and I, uh, that's not me saying anything bad about Connor. I love Connor. Manny Pacquiao is a fucking monster in yeah. boxing. Now he is getting older, but it doesn't matter. He is still fast. He's small. Mm-hmm. He's small for Connor. But they've got to they got to meet at a certain weight. So what is that going to be? One fifty four. Yeah. You know, I'm telling you, I'm, UFC is not going to allow that one to happen, especially if Connor's in the mix to be their champion. Yeah. If if Khabib is gone, they would need Connor to be there to to make the money. Yes. And so that deal um, would make sense for them not to go ahead and let him go to fight Manny Pacquiao because then you're killing their you're you're killing away more pay per views. Yeah, keep him in. in I mean, I, I could I could see scenarios where Connor could end up fighting Pacquiao. I, I could definitely see it. Yeah, but not if he is in line for a title fight in the UFC. I look at it too. How many fights does he have left on his contract? That I don't know. Yeah, I would imagine some astronomical amount, like probably seven to ten. If he's getting paid the amount of money he's getting paid, that's what they that's what the UFC will always do. If I'm going to pay you millions, I'm going to lock yeah. you down for eight fights. If yeah. not, if I'm only locking you down for four, I'm not paying you that amount of money. And it's it's very it's it's happened several times to a bunch of fighters, and then yeah. if he does win the title, that locks him down for more fights as well. Every time he defends that title, it gives him two or three more fights added onto his contract. So I mean, I could see him, he's he's going to retire with the UFC, which is smart on his part. But I'm saying yeah. he's going to retire there. But it's a matter of he want he said he wants to win a a world title in boxing. You're going to have a hard time doing that, you know, in terms of if you're trying to fight out your fights here in the UFC. I could see where, you know, again, people need to understand the UFC when they have the contract, you cannot go fight boxing. You cannot fight any combat sport. They have control of you. But if he did retire from MMA and said, I'm, I'm just concentrating on boxing. I could see where lawyers lawyers could get him through that one. Yeah. He's not going to fight MMA ever again. The only guys, which I'm surprised we haven't seen them use it, is in the contract is Nate and, and Nick and Nate. I think it's, or maybe it's just Nick who has a boxing clause in there that he's allowed to box outside of the UFC without their consent. But like he can just do it on his own. I'm yeah. surprised he hasn't done that yet. I mean, especially with this Jake Paul and Logan Paul thing going on. Like that's, <laughs> it's money. Dude, I thought him and Jake Paul is the perfect. Brilliant! I think we have perfect. I guess apparently Logan. Did we just bring up Jake and Logan? Yeah, but apparently I think Logan. I apologize to everyone. But I think Nick Diaz and Logan, from what I understand, I heard they're friends. So the Jake Paul situation came about, and Logan actually criticized his brother, saying that you know what, he's ruined my relationship with other people. He's like, I want to actually fight my own brother. That'd be fun. I'd like to see the two brothers fight. (laughs) Bunch of drama queens. Get out there and settle. I did see. Here I'm going back to talking about him. Jake Paul did say. Well, look, I'm two and zero. Oh, my brother, you know, 
He's yeah. not even gotten a win as a professional. Wow. Ooh, wow. dude. Yeah. Scorching. Yeah. It sounds like they not both nice. need to be slapped. Is the whole thing a swerve? And did Khabib and Dana really talk about the GSP fight and they're going to announce it on Saturday right before the McGregor fight and then and then Khabib will vacate the belt? Yeah, which is kind of weird because what's his name? Because GSP came out and said, you know, um, something about, I want to say in the effects of... um. That fight really does interest me. He just tweeted it. I want to say like the day of the whole announcement thing. He said this fight, you know, the fight with Khabib does really interest me. I don't think he's going to come back for it, but I would love. That's the only fight I would really like to see Khabib fight. I, there's no other fights in there that I want to see him fight. If Charles Oliveira had a bigger name, I would love to see that fight because stylistically it's a fun fight for me because I'm a nerd. Name. I'm a nerd. Yeah, There's I'm only a, one guy that has a bigger name than St. Pierre. Oh, oh yeah, Conor McGregor. Connor. Yeah, Conor. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. No, but yeah, I'm talking. I was talking about Charles. With Charles. Charles doesn't have a big yeah. enough name. But I stylistically, I'm a nerd. That's why I love fighting. I'm a nerd when it comes to the fight world, and I love. I would love to see that fight because stylistically, it makes for a fun fight. Could be even him. Yeah, but here's the problem, and I, I am a fight nerd too, and I yes, actually would love to see the fight. You're more of a nerd than me. I am. <laughs> I admit it. But. St. Pierre is 39 years old. I know. He's not the St. Pierre of the past. He can't be. I'm not saying he's not in great shape. He's always in shape. He's always training. He's But father time is going to take a little bit of that speed and, and what he had away. And so I'm not getting the St. Pierre of, no. you know, prime if he's going to go against Habib. And I don't know. I would love to see it, and I don't want to see it. Yeah. I, it's, I'm, I'm on that. Feelings. Yeah. Mixed feelings. I'm, yeah. But, Josh, you know, could be even, like, it just doesn't seem from what you say that he he would come back for, for like, an Oliveira or a, or, a you know, even a Conor rematch. Like, he just, like, he doesn't care enough to do that just yeah. for the 30, you know? Well, from what I, from, from what just the interviews that they said, they talked about is that in Dana said in the in the show last night was that he needs to see something that's impressive, somebody that sparks his interest. And the only person that I can see in there would be Oliveira that would spark his interest. He's already beat Gaethje. He's already beat Dustin. He's already beat Connor. He was supposed to fight Tony, but Tony's off coming off two losses. Charles Oliveira it would be the only guy that I would see that would spark his interest. Or if Connor was to fight Charles and was able to stuff and destroy everything he did because I think he wants to see changes in the guys that he's fought and already beat. If you can show me that Conor McGregor is a better fighter than the time that I fought him and he's got new tools, that sparks my interest. Same thing with like a Dustin Poirier or Justin Gaethje. If Justin Gaethje starts going out there and just subbing dudes that are top level guys, that now starts sparking your interest. I'm not saying that. I'm just... He wants to see, he wants to see wants guys to change. change. He wants, why would I fight the same guy that I but, beat? You haven't changed yeah, at but, all. You haven't evolved at all. But you can't sit there and you say, I want to see change. Okay. You want to see change. How long do we wait for you to see that change to where you say, oh, I've seen it. This is true. It, it's a matter of, like, you, I don't want to say it in the fashion, but you, you either got to shit or get off the pot. Yeah, that's true. All right. Meaning you're going to fight. Or you're going to get off the pot and hand that belt back and now let the let the weight class move on mm -hmm. you know you got to make that decision now he's got time to make the decision i'm not saying he you know he has to do it this week yeah he doesn't 
You know, you've got some big fights coming up. He's got time to say, eh, I'm going to, I'm going to walk away. Or he's got time to say, eh, you know what? I'm interested. I, 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 w- I would like this fight. Yeah. And it's good that he gets to pick that, but there comes the point. All of this is just minutia. Yeah. It's all crap. It's Dana extending something out. And I, I'm not saying anything bad. He's, he's got to keep people interested, but he didn't get an answer. No. So he came out saying, I got a maybe. Okay. You got a maybe. Yeah. You know, maybe means you got nothing. You're still in the same position you're in. But the reality of it is, is that he's not holding up the division because Dustin needs to happen. Hooker, Hooker and Chandler needs to happen. Yeah, all of them do. That's the why dust, I say right now it doesn't matter. The dust needs to settle. Like you said, we don't need a decision today. We don't need a decision by this month. You know, no. we, have, we have to let the dust settle and see where this all plays out. And then these I say guys are all going to have to fight again. You get to the end of March. Yeah. We should have an idea. Is, is Habib going to fight again or is the mm-hmm. belt? being uh, relinquished yeah you should know after after hooker and chandler fight and then go back real quick dave sorry Sorry. after hooker and chandler fight and connor and dustin fight and you got charles in the mix there who's going to be fighting for the for a vacant title or an interim title to fight khabib and then that'll let you know whether it sparks khabib's interest or not and who's gonna who he would have to fight he if he says hey Charles Oliveira and Conor McGregor are going to fight. And if whoever, if Charles wins, I will take that fight. But if Conor wins, I'll just vacate and leave and walk away. That would make sense. I mean, he's already beat him. He's already fought him. He doesn't, he doesn't sound like he wants to have repeat beats like uh, where he defend, where he fights the same person he's already beat to pad his record. He wants to fight new people that spark his interest. That's what I've got from the conversations. He's like, why would I fight any of these guys again? I've already beat them. If I, should, if I beat him again, I was supposed to beat him again. It makes sense, especially when you're trying to go 30 and 0. You don't want to have five wins to the same guy. Okay, oh yeah, now you padded your record. You got two wins. I only fought this guy because I knew I could beat him to get me to 30 and 0. He doesn't want that. He wants new guys every single time. Charles Oliveira makes sense. It does. Or even a Michael Boy, Chandler. You, even a Michael are Chandler. Are you pushing the Charles I am. Oliveira? With that performance that he had, and hey, like you said, <laughs> being on an eight-fight win streak and then potentially having a, to win again, against somebody and if he beats connor you can't tell me that you can't you can't tell me that i wouldn't put him into superstardom god I mean, damn hold on now you've got him beating justin because supposedly they're gonna match him up with justin yeah and you've got him fighting connor i mean Ooh. i'm saying if you're trying to get the fight out of khabib you'd have to have him beat connor i don't think him beating justin would put him into the conversation of fighting khabib now, but now you're talking okay so I want you to just I'm look at look here, at here, man. Help factor. me out, okay? I'm trying look, to look at a time factor here. I'm holding the this Justin, conversation by myself, bro. The Come Justin on, fight isn't even made yet, <laughs> okay? So we're gonna say that happens. We'll say in April, all right? So now he, Oliveira fights Justin. We'll say he beats Justin. It's in April, and now he's gonna fight Connor. So what is that fight? July, we'll say. Yeah. So now it's in July. So we're talking. Habib's holding on to the belt, and, he, and he's not going to be fighting until sometime in fall. Yeah, come on. No, I get you. Too long. I, this is what this here. This is what I think. <laughs> this is this is really uh, I, I in in, a, in an ideal world, what I would like is Connor and Dustin fight. Let's just say Connor wins. Charles and Connor fight to see who fights Khabib. That's what I think. And then if if Chandler beats Stan Hooker, which I think Chandler will. And even though I don't, it, that sounded like it was vinegar coming out of my fucking oh, mouth. Dude, 
Okay. It's if if it's like a packy one ship challenge. Exactly. Fucking <laughs> throw up like an hour later. I'm like, Ugh. Uh, um, but if Chandler beats Hooker, which I think he will, if he goes on, I think I think the fight to make after that would be him and Justin Gaethje. It'd be a fucking barn burner of a fight. I think that'd be a great fight. Exactly. So you put those two together, and I think you have an absolute amazing fight to see who fights. So you the are winner. getting rid. You are totally dismantling the Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje fight. Yes. Yep. Charles has already said he didn't want that fight. He's like, no. He's like, he just got destroyed by a submission by by Khabib. I'm on an eight fight, or but he's like, I'm on a win streak. I don't want to fight him. He's already turned it down. He says, like, he's like, I have no desire to fight him. He's like, no, I'm not going to fight a guy coming off of a loss. Yeah. So I mean, I I get that point. I understand that. I mean, he he is kind of in the driver's seat with such a dominant performance he just had over Tony. So I would like to see him fight, and I would like to see Connor fight a good jiu-jitsu guy. That's that's the other thing. Like, let's see him fight a good jiu-jitsu guy. Let's see him get somebody like that who's on a, on an eight-fight win streak. It makes it does make sense. It's not a smart take, I think, for Connor. Um, I think he can beat. I think he can beat Charles, but he'd have to definitely keep it on the feet. But can Charles get him down? If Charles gets to the body, Charles is tall, long, lanky phenomenal on the ground the way he was flinging tony around i was like good god i'm not saying he's gonna do that to, to connor but it's they, i think it makes it makes for interesting conversation because people have always talked about connor just fights padded guys he only fights stand-up guys they don't want to take a chance with him and you know the only wrestlers he ever fought outside of khabib was chad chad took the fight on 10 days notice or five days notice or whatever it was let's silence all the critics Charles Oliveira had a great fight against Tony. He's had some great fights coming up. He's on an eight-fight win streak. Let's have him fight him next, and the winner of that fights Khabib. And if that doesn't happen, and then that that puts uh, that puts Chandler against Justin probably next. You get a barn burner of a fight, and then the winner of that will fight against the winner of Charles and Connor for the actual title. If Khabib's going to yeah. walk away, I mean, it just makes it does make sense. It does. I it mean, does. I know I'm speaking rationally here, which is not like me. Oh, <laughs> oh, shit. All right. So, hey, if you guys, if you guys have not been following us, you are a new subscriber. Please go to mybookie.ag or mybookie.com. Use the promo code Wayne in. If you guys use the promo code Wayne in, okay, they will give you 50% of your initial deposit. So up to your up to a thousand dollars. If I put in a thousand dollars, they'll give me another five hundred dollars uh, to bet with. I think it's great. Maybe I'm a little biased, but I think there's plenty of fights coming up that to, that you guys could bet on. The Carter fight, you got the Neil Magny and uh, Kiesa fight. All the fights on that card will be there. I think you guys should check them out. MyBookie.com, MyBookie.ag, promo code Wayne in. Also, hit the thumbs up, subscribe button. We are going to do a fan question on Wednesday because we owe you guys that. Because we hit over what was it five thousand? I think we're at ten thousand. Fifteen thousand. We? We're at fifteen thousand likes. Fifteen thousand. Right damn. Damn. That's, you, they tripled it. They, when they you, just blew it out of the water. God bless them. When you guys hit the thumbs up, that creates the that helps uh, trigger the logarithm for us to go ahead and be spread out to everyone that watches and watches any type of MMA video or podcast that sends us out to them to let them know that we are here and we appreciate you guys. We it's called signs. Whatever. So we have hit 80,000 <laughs> subscribers and we want to thank you guys. We call that the Connor effect. We want to thank him also for, for helping us get there. But uh, it was an overall great show. What did you think of the interview? We didn't get a chance to really talk a whole lot afterwards because we did have kind of a longer show. What did you think of the interview with Connor? 
he's so easy to interview because he talks yes and he gives you information he actually gave us too much information that we had to cut out (laughs) uh you know he's he is so confident and i can tell you by you know being around him and and uh, seeing him he's that way in person all the time and that confidence and how many times have we talked about man confidence is key you got to be a confident fighter if you're confident, you're dangerous and he's dangerous. I, you know, I really appreciate the fact that he came on our podcast. He doesn't go on podcasts. Yep. You know, he does the aerial thing and stuff like that, but he usually does bigger media things and podcasts are not considered that big of a, uh, a thing for a guy to go on. So him coming on our show meant a lot. What he said at the end, that was not, you know, in any way did we know he was going to do that. That was very nice of him to say, Caught me off guard. but but absolutely the truth. Yeah. No, <laughs> it caught me off guard. It really did. Yeah. I didn't expect him to do that. Yeah, I mean, I just thought it was so great that he was, you know, he said, like, Podcast Dave is, you know, the reason. He didn't say shit and, about Podcast and then, Dave, uh, you, know? you know? Do you realize that? I thought it was, I just thought it was, uh, <laughs> it was really good great. of him to acknowledge the facts. Wow, wow. So, no, I, um. You guys are good too, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like you said, easy to interview. It's nice to, like you said, he gave us too much information. Uh, his agents called and said, hey, we got to take that out. That can't be in there. He wasn't supposed to talk about that yet. Those are things that they're just going to release later on at a later date, yeah. which is great. I think it's amazing where he's come. There was a lot more that we wanted to get to, but I mean, obviously, media day. You brought up the aerial thing. Dave and I were talking about this a couple of days ago. Or yeah, it was yesterday? We were, nah, probably. Well, yeah, I think it was yesterday. I, I find it funny that it's like, hey, I have the all exclusive with Conor McGregor. And I'm thinking to myself, there's been two other people that have done shows already with him on Thursday that dropped. I mean, the Mac Life was before us. And then which we is were his own company, which is his own company. And then we were number two. And I'm not I'm not trying to be a hater. I just it it kind of it kind of bugs me a little bit. Yeah, but you know, uh, Ada's going to ask him those silly questions that he's going to hate. He's gonna don't, don't worry. Don't worry about the truth, man. Oh. It's just what you tell people. Oh, it's just, <laughs> That's I all good. Know. I just remember the days when Arrow used to come to AK and basically like rummage around the gym waiting for the fighters to get done working out so we could try and get an interview with them. You know, and, and I then now, too. I mean, no, and then now it's like, uh, you know, I just, uh, oh, it's frustrating sometimes. But I'm glad. I'm glad we had it. We had a great interview. It was fun. Um, I, I did watch Ariel's interview. It was good. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. And uh, you're a better man than me. I didn't watch it. You didn't watch it. I have. I have. No. To. I, I have to. Like I said, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to little things like that. You know, um, because also too, like following Ariel and then following other people like Luke Thomas and all the other guys, uh, Shab and those guys. I listen to all their stuff. When I listen to them, it kind of gives me ideas on what to do and what not to do. You know, there's a lot of that too as well. Um, but there's, you know, we don't talk about politics. We try not to, we got a little political last week. We don't normally do that, but, uh, it had to do with, um, Pat Militich and what would, what happened, but we don't normally do that. And some shows do that. And I, every time I hear it, I kind of get a little cringy. I'm like, this is, you know, so it's good. It's good that we just, we, 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 I don't want to say we toe the line, but we understand what our fans come here for. They don't come here for politics. They come here for MMA. Who you know, cares and, about and your opinion on politics or my opinion? We combat. This sports. is all about combat sports. I love it. I love it. We're going to start MMA. We're going to start. I think this is going to be the year, John. We start doing a little bit more boxing too. Hopefully, boxing yeah. starts doing more shows. Absolutely. I mean, I know it's been COVID, so we haven't had a lot of boxing this year. But I want to start covering some boxing too because I I'm a geek when it comes to boxing as well. 
Um, so I want to start doing that. I know John is. You're just a nerd. Let's in do general. it. Seventy five year old nerd. Dude, I, <laughs> I grew up it. on boxing. That was my that was my first combat sport. I love, love it. Love it. Um, but yeah. So uh, what else? Do you got anything else for us, John? What do you want to talk about, Goose? No, no brother. Nothing. I am good. I just want. I I do want to put out again. Thank you to Connor for coming on the show. Mm-hmm. Thank you for everybody that uh, enjoyed it and signed up and, and is a subscriber here. We appreciate it, and we promise to bring you more great stuff in the future. What do you have to say? There's You always got one last thing to say. I swear, it's just you. Wait, Dave, feel like he's got something to say. Well, Go I, ahead, Dave. I, the one thing I did want to say was um, that one of the cool things is that I have my notifications on on Spotify, so it was cool to see weighing in number 112 with conor mcgregor it was like mm-hmm. you know and, I'm, and it was i know that we dropped that as a surprise episode right because I, I think like for us as well like you know we were so busy beforehand getting ready for it we didn't really take time to promote it which is fine but if you guys have um the subscribe the subscribe eh, the, sorry the notification on you'll it will be cool because then if we don't promote a big episode like that you guys will see it pop up on your phone yeah. before anyone else so make sure if you're on spotify itunes youtube that's that notification that is turned on. Yeah, that was the other thing D- Dave and I, we were talking about through text the other day is that we would like to try and get our audio platforms up a little bit more if you guys can. So please go to, like he said, Spotify, Stitcher, um, iTunes, all those platforms. Hit the subscribe button on there as well and turn your notifications on so you guys do get the notifications and hit the thumbs up. And we do appreciate you guys following us. And you know what? Because John is the older, more mature man, I always like to try to give him the last word. What do you have to say, John? See you later. That's two. (laughs) It's actually three. See ya later.